Happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. You're listening to Set Jetter Saturdays, and it's a very special day for both of us here, both Robert and myself, because we have finally completed the first run, maybe the only run, viewing of The Stand from CBS All Access. So we're at the finish line. We, we did it. I think that'll be it for The Stand. Maybe another 25 years, they'll do another version. I think so. <laughs> you know what's weird? Uh, let me ask you. The 94 one, I've always enjoyed, but it is a product of its time. It's mm-hmm. not really the greatest miniseries ever, but I, I enjoy it, you know. Um, is it as good as I think it is in my mind, or do you think this one is just so bad that it's the 94 one's great? Because I, I listen to the shows, and I feel like I'm bringing up the 94 one a lot as if it was this landmark film. Well, the thing is, like when you're comparing, the, the 94 one had some heart to it, and it had some better acting, and I think because uh, McGarris had a limited budget, and not this the the new one has an unlimited, but they did as much as they could on, you know, they were just banging those scenes out and using every location that they could. Um, and I just hear this kind of feels uh, maybe lazy a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good point because the 94 one, like you said, they kind of pulled out all the stops. It was a very busy, ambitious production schedule, or at least for locations. And, and this they had, one, they cut corners. Yeah, they and I remember the original, they were going to shoot actually in Colorado. Um, but Colorado had just passed or wasn't going to pass some kind of anti-gay legislation. So they up and pulled it over uh, to Utah. So I think that they even had less uh, prep time on that. Colorado was going to pull. Or they they pulled out because they were going to pass anti-gay legislation? I think so. Or, some, or they did. I can't, I can't remember quite all the details of the time back I do in the kind of remember early that. 90s. But, um, I just thought Colorado was kind of more liberal than that. Well, they tend to be, so I think they've flipped on that, but I'm not sure. Well, It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did read something about that during the production. The, um, the Circle Closes is episode 9. This was the finale of The Stand, and we're going to get into it. Uh, Robert had put some, together some great notes uh, one thing we mentioned on the last show was we were kind of speculating about which road they would take for this one because there was not a lot that was left to be done. But one thing I did think that was cool, not so much the way they did it, but they did use the scene in the book where Flag shows up at an uncivilized island. <laughs> they did. You know? Yeah. Uh, like they did in the book where they, you know, he can brainwash them again. Um, it reminds me of those... I think they took it directly from those images you see in the news every five years. It's like, you know, last untouched tribe of civilization spotted by helicopter in the Amazon. And it's always a guy painting in red shooting an arrow. And they've used that image like five times every mm-hmm. five years. I feel like they kind of borrowed from that. It felt like that. It felt a little shoehorned in. Um, and maybe because the dialogue, like, I, I, don't, I don't think that he said anything in the book, if I remember right. I think he was just there. And this one, uh, of course, he has to <laughs> tell them, you know, those names, Russell Faraday. And like, all right. And then they kind of pull a, a Revenge of the Swift, uh, Sith, where he's like, and then it turns into, worship me! And it just it reminded me of, you know, you know, like Darth Vader comes out, you know, or Anakin turns to Darth Vader. And you're like, oh, okay. And he's like, no! And I'm like, all right. You just kind of 
pops the balloon there. <laughs> yeah, they kind of jumped ahead of themselves. It does yeah. feel like that. But I was like, all right. And then, and I'm pretty sure Alexander Skarsgård has nudity written into every film, whether they want it or not. He says, I'll, I will be nude three times. <laughs> yeah, why is that? He could show up for a Chrysler Super Bowl ad and his <laughs> pants would come off and they would go, sir, this is not part of the script. And I'll go, he, well, it kind of wasn't my contract. Uh, one, he probably knows what people want. And two, if, if you still have the body that looks like that, go for it. Like, yeah, rock it. If you yeah. got it, flaunt it. If you can rock it, walk it. He's like, I'll wear boots. But otherwise, yeah, that's it. I do like how he killed that guy that was trying to shoot him. He just went, Pew, and his yeah. head kind of came off. That was kind of cool. I like catching the arrow. So, but Yeah, the arrow was kind of cool. Yeah. but uh, I do like the... Oh, go ahead. No. Yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned the full circle. I do like that Stu Redman mentioned to Franny um, how long before kind of crime happens again. And there's like... Because if you think about the stand, okay, we're all in this perfect, not we're all in this imperfect society of good people, and flags now dead. So we're going to build our lives. How long does that last before someone goes, "I'm I'm going to go make out with that girl that doesn't want to make out with me"? I'm, yeah. I'm not using hardcore terms in this, but how long until I I'm just going to steal that person's car? I mean, it, it, it's only it's human nature sure. to go back to crime. You do need some kind of police force. You do need government enforcing laws. So what do you think about that? How Stu I, kind of alluded? I did like that. And I think Stu, he might have said a couple of people were already locked up. And I was like, oh, of course, you know, like, <laughs> and I was, I was scared of what they should, uh, they really obviously didn't have time or, but it would be interesting to flesh out, like, um, has racism changed? You know, this, you know, has anything changed with, you know, uh, the United States is a pretty uh, incarcerate, incarceration friendly or uh, not friendly, but um uh, Equal. Kind of bloodthirsty, uh, you know, like lock people up society. And so I just feel like that would kind of come through. You wonder if that would be the same as the whatever's happening in the stand over in England or other countries, uh, what that would look like. Maybe that should be the reboot is like get out of the United States and go yeah. somewhere else. I think it would need a refresher of another location. And also just to see, like you mentioned, about what, how does that play out? What happens there? Because do the, um, is it Lord of the Flies where somebody eventually gets tired of hearing about Stu's plan and the council's plans and they're like, well, listen to me. I mean, corruption, power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. What? How would that play out? I would love to see that too. Another yeah, country that, I think would be that, great. That would have been much more interesting coda uh, than I think what we got. But it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. Uh, they do. There is a baby in this one. The Miracle Baby. What do you make of this situation, um, so, And I think that followed the book pretty closely where the baby did get Captain Trips and it was a little disturbing to see the baby with the, the big neck. Sad. Um, and then Scary. overnight, uh, all that went away. Uh, so that's why I, I think that's why I call it the Miracle Baby. Um, but it's a sign of hope and this is what the uh, it, the book and the the... Uh, the movies have kind of tried to end on at the very least. Hope is still there. Did they ever explain how, because it is disturbing that the baby has the neck thing going on. Did they ever explain, was it because Franny has the genes that the baby is immune? I think the father, yeah, so Franny does, but the father didn't. And so I think that's why it got Captain Trips and the other baby, they both were immune. So the baby was totally immune. Got it. That makes so, perfect sense. So pretty much from now on, all babies should be immune. But 
Right. Miracle Babies. Uh, it is sad because they did it in the book in the 94 miniseries as well where Franny makes a note about the other empty cribs everywhere and it's it's pretty sad. But um, I felt like they really uh, they did a good job with humanizing Franny, uh, the struggle, at least the character yeah. in this part. As much as they can. So. As um, much as yeah. they can. And Stu made it back, and and my first thought is like one, you sh- you, we could have smelled him coming a mile away. Uh, it's been weeks and weeks, and I don't think they've been showering. Um, or brushing their teeth. Yeah, they go in for the kiss, and I was waiting for Fanny to be like, "Ooh, no!" Or they should have just had him like his teeth all right, like <laughs> James Marsden smiling with the most awful teeth. But yeah, they should have had him come in and her go. Where, where, where long have you been back? Just got out of med bay right now. To imply that he like showered and was treated for like gingivitis. Something. Yeah, he's been deloused since. I've been but, deloused. Uh, uh, but you know, he made it back. Um, no, and nobody Tom, cared about nobody cared about Tom coming back. <laughs> yeah, what happened with Tom? I I put, was going to put money on that this would have been an embraceful homecoming. Tom Cullen returned. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show, although I'm sure you are listeners because everybody watched it. Uh, Tom Cullen, one of the main characters, a developmentally disabled man, returned from his spying, his scouting mission in Vegas. There was no no welcome for him. They didn't, they didn't show it. They just cut to business as usual again. Yeah, the only one that survived. And it's like, y- you stay in the back and out of focus. Get out of here. Yeah, get back. M-O-O-N. That spells sad. <laughs> Tom, no love for Tom Cullen. Nick Garris had a cameo. Yeah, so actually, I I I watched it like four in the morning, you know, because I wake up early, and I was like, oh, you know, the stand had been released at midnight, so I watched that. So I think I sent it right to him when I I, I saw the I took a little screen cap and sent it to him, but that was nice to kind of give a little kudos to the original. I like it is, and I do like that you watch it at four in the morning it's a great way to start the day do you have coffee are you eating breakfast during the stand no and i'm a diet coke person so i and i I usually have my protein bar but it's usually i watch shows because i'm like it's too early to get out of bed but i'll just turn on the tv and and catch up on some stuff and if i fall asleep i fall asleep diet coke in the morning i am a diet coke head i can't even tell you how much diet coke i drink a day really Hmm. So, you know who else drank a lot of Diet Cokes? Uh, we don't talk about that. Nick Garris. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. What were you thinking? No, I. that's exactly what I was thinking. So. I'll explain this to me. I don't mean no. to derail Mick, from the stand, but why Mick Diet t- Cokes and not, not just regular Coke? Uh, well, because it's. Uh, I don't need the extra calories. So obviously there's a lot of sodium and not good stuff. But uh, And I, I admit it. I can't pretend I'm not drinking anything except carbonated chemicals, but... I like is it. that what it is? It's cal. I don't drink soda at all, so I don't. I'm not sure the difference. Yeah, I assumed it was sugar or something. Not for Diet Coke. No, it's like just not good stuff. But no, no real sugar. And never Diet Pepsi. No, I try not to. Yeah. What about diet caffeine-free Pepsi? Uh, That's the whole no. thing. I. Diet caffeine, Diet Coke, I know still is. So, and my, that's what my mother drinks. So, that's what I thought about drinking diet caffeine uh, free at night. But I thought, I actually, I do have a after six o'clock, I stopped drinking Diet Coke because I'm not up all night. The more you know, I'm very yeah. impressed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Mick Garris, uh, Mick Garris directed the 94 one. Yes. And many other Stephen King uh, shows like uh, Sleepwalkers. I'm not going to remember any of them else like right now, but, but yeah, good friends with Stephen King. Ooh, I'm, I'm long overdue for Sleepwalkers. I haven't seen that since I was like 12. You know, I, and I, I went to a lot of locations. I haven't published it yet, so we'll have to work on that one. That's a cool one. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Nebraska, the land of Lincoln, was all over <laughs> episode nine. It is apparently the the home of Arbor Day. Yes, I know. You probably know as much about Arbor Day as I do, but I just know Arbor Day was founded here, and it's it's in Nebraska. It's a tr- Arbor Day is about trees, right? Yes. So. But what do you do? Is it like Flag Day, where you don't really know what to do? Like, all I right, think, flags. Well, it's pretty clear you're supposed to plant a tree on Arbor Day. I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I think that's a good so, idea. Can always have more trees, but the Stan Lorton, Nebraska. So this, where is this town that Franny uh, and Stu stopped in? I never heard of it, but I looked it up, and it's about 50 miles south of me. So, uh, so you got some homework to do tomorrow. I <laughs> to go see, go down to Lorton, Nebraska, and see what's there. Um, but let me see what the population is. Did they 24. film this in Lorton? No, I don't. I doubt it. Twenty. Uh, let me see. Nope, that's area. It's like twenty-four. It says area twenty-six acres. Population twenty-four. That's really? Yeah. Twenty-four people. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be twenty-five tomorrow after Robert oh, hits town. So they probably filmed this in like Vancouver or something. Yeah, I'm sure it's Vancouver. I didn't look up uh, the place, but yeah. Uh, but I did look up because I'm like, I wonder if Lorton is real, and it, it is. Lorton, Nebraska, and this is where they they stop at that abandoned house just walk right in walk right in it has it had kind of a signs or the happening feel to it where you're like yeah. something's gonna happen but I, I don't know well and this is where i was like oh because i'm like why did they make up lorton i don't remember that in the book or anything and like this yeah. was the perfect time to have some shared universe and they could show up to gatlin nebraska i thought the same thing i thought like, when they showed the cornfields have house some kid looks or similar you know and i'd be like how perfect would it be if <laughs> Stu yes. and franny live and they get killed by kids children of the corn in nebraska <laughs> he comes and for just, you malachi that would be the full circle you know isaac would come out of of the corn and um, oh yeah yeah and that would be like sorry yeah you thought you survived but welcome to nebraska <laughs> And Malachi screams. He still has that girlish scream. It would have to be CGI Malachi from the 1984 version. He comes, seize them! They could make it work, but I thought, oh, wouldn't that be kind of fun? You know? But That would be amazing. Yeah, because I thought, oh, fans would get that. I think, well, mainstream audiences would get that. Even people that have not seen Children of the Corn know what Children of the Corn is. And what if they get into this house and just just picture, you know, all this cornfields... And one by one, eat all these kids kind of pop out of out of the rows. He who walks behind the rows. If you know they, who the stand is, you should know what Children of the Corn is. Yeah, so I would think right. so. Yeah, but instead, well, <laughs> was that was that Mother Abigail as a child in the cornfield? Yes. Yeah. So on on the cast, they listed young Mother, young Abigail. So it was her stain. So I guess it was Child of the Corn is what this was. So Fran- it was. Ch- Franny fell down the well. 
what are they doing? What happened? Well, I was like, what is Franny doing? Like, c- come on. Like, really? Like, what was why, she doing? Why don't I leave my baby and go try this, you know, dangerous thing? Yeah. So. Yeah, she was pumping the well. And she, I'm not even going to say spoiler anymore because nobody's watching this thing. <laughs> but she's pumping the well. And, okay, you know what? If I were alone and I saw the well, I might be curious to do it. I'm not going to stand on top of it to where I could fall in there or even lean on it, um, especially it's, with your baby behind yeah, it's creaking you. and, you know, like. Why would you do that? I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't holding the baby in one hand and also doing <laughs> it. <but I, laughs> Franny gets hurt. She goes down the well and she's unconscious. And that's where she visits, Flag visits her, uh, or Faraday visits her now. Yes, and shows her it was an uncivilized tribe that wasn't touched by trips because they're isolated. Yes, not uncivilized, but untouched by civilization. Correct. Yeah, so hasn't had human contact, and I think ever maybe other other human contact, and um, just wanted to give him give her a, kind of a look at that. And this reminded me. I, I don't think you're, you're not a Star Trek person, but if you watch Next Generation, it kind of reminded me of the character of Q, where sometimes you show Picard different things, like come look at this. Uh, oh, and that's kind of what it reminded me of. So, what did you what did you make of that whole scene of Franny unconscious and Flag like trying to possess her? Forced in, and I read later that Stephen King felt like Franny got shortchanged. Like everybody else got to stand up to Flag, except for Franny. She stayed home and pregnant, and so this was his answer to that. Because he wrote this script, the, yes. this episode, correct. So that was why. Okay, so that's why he did the the proper ending of the book with Flag. Yes, but and you can imagine if this was in written form, it probably would have seemed better. <laughs> I think so. You know, but um, yeah, but, if you imagine that, it would be better on paper than filmed. yeah, so, yeah, and some stuff, and that's where sometimes King King's works fail because you know it's 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 much better on paper and what you have in your head than that they can ever actually put on on film. I agree. And a lot of times King fails at his endings. A lot of his books start off really strong out of the gate and have a strong middle, and then he doesn't really know how to end them. I call it the equivalent of the It Balloon, where he keeps blowing it up and <laughs> blowing it up, and about halfway through he just lets it go and is like, eh, Just like, do what you want. That's that's a, that's some, not all the time, but sometimes. A sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, dinner's ready. Just do what you want with this. I'm going to leave the script here for someone to finish it. Uh, now you don't understand. Now you understand why I wanted to come. Referring the, to the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> when you when I saw that, I was like, "That is so cringy." So the lighthouse made me want to risk my life to come six hundred miles. Yeah. So it's funny because it was almost juxtaposition in my mind. So when she says, "I want to see the ocean again," she, she, they're in, they're in Boulder, Colorado. Two beautiful mountains, a beautiful uh, blue lake and greenery. And then she goes, did you see why you wanted to come? And it's like, it's like the Atlantic is a dirty, smelly ocean and there's dead wood all over the place. And Stu's like, yeah, it's something. (laughs) You're so right. That that Boulder, Colorado, the scene that they were in, was the most picturesque windows, background, wallpaper, fall month calendar entry Ever. It was like a sy- symmetrical lake on top of a lake. It looked like something out of Forrest Gump when he's like yeah. running across the country. And then all of a sudden they're in Maine, which is a beautiful state, but where they were was this gray, ugly part. 
Yeah. Did I understand why I wanted to come? No. 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 I'm it would be like leaving you... Hawaii and going <laughs> to like an Oregon beach and going, now you know why I wanted to come? No, no. Where we were no. was great. Mm-mm. And Let's I think they came, we came just in time for a main winter. Mm, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, we got here just in time for it to start getting freezing at 15 degrees. There's a couple moments, and because I just, if I was looking into James Marston's kind of uh, reactions, and she goes, you know, I think we could have, you know, a four babies. And he's like, ah. like, and he's like, I think I made a big mistake. Yeah, he's like, man, maybe two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was very uncomfortable. Yeah, he's like, I think it's time to go back. <laughs> So I picture another coda where Franny wakes up one morning and is like, Stu? 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 <laughs> Stu? But you just see him on a motorcycle, Sons of Anarchy style, crossing Vermont, yeah. the Vermont border. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Florida. Come on. I wouldn't leave Boulder, Colorado, at least not then, with everything that happened and almost dying and traveling. And we're at a barbecue and there's people doing some dancing. I would feel like, you know what, there's people with medical experience here. If there's an emergency with this newborn, I would like to be around somebody that could operate or help them not take my chances on the road. That, no. that seems a little premature. No, I don't think the baby was even six weeks old. It was just like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I felt that was very selfish of her, you know? Yeah, and pick up some medicine. So obviously they didn't pack for <laughs> a long trip. No. And I'm glad, I guess, if Lorton or wherever they were had had uh, a store, uh, considering it was 24 people. <laughs> yeah, considering it was like basically two families that live in Lorton. Yeah. I'm glad they had they necessitated a whole store. And they took a gas guzzler, too. I'm like, good luck, people. <laughs> yeah, why do they do that? Those things get like 15 miles to the gallon. And that's kind of where you can see that there's some bad storytelling going on because we're all <laughs> thinking about everything except what's happening on the screen <laughs> it's so bizarre yeah everything exactly it's like you said it translates better sometimes on paper or it's better on paper than translated to film and this was my, a perfect example of this my other george lucas moment of scripting was uh so they're in maine and it's like a week later i think they say and kind of out of nowhere Stu's like so tell me what happened in nebraska and i'm like you've been driving for days <laughs> what now now you're asking you're so right it's like the perfect example of in a sitcom when something happens and the next scene they're walking back into the house and like so how come you just stood there it's like you just drove home you would have talked about that the second you left said place it was like that so what happened in nebraska uh yeah so and it reminds i call it george lucas because there's a lot of times in the prequels especially where uh they'll start a scene and characters are sitting there and then they'll just start talking like they've been silently waiting in the wings for the cameras to turn on. And then uh, <laughs> it happens. So I love when they wait silently in the wings. And they're like, oh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's go. But yeah, it's like, oh, all right. This is what, this is what we're doing here. But all right. That's, that's such a good point. <laughs> um, uh, Alexander Skarsgård character, Russell Flagg, changed his name to Russell Faraday. Randall Flagg to Russell Faraday. Randall Flagg to Russell yeah. Faraday. Was this because he's the devil and he's always lying? Or is this like another story arc he's going with? He's been called this name in other Stephen King novels. So this is a variation. I can't remember if he used this name in The Stand, but I know he used it in The Dark Tower and something else. Dark so, Tower. Yeah. So it might, may be kind of a, a fan service to that. I can't remember. I think you're right. 
I'm just happy that they played the two best rock and post-apocalyptic songs ever in this series. Don't Fear the Reaper and It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. So now we know where some of the budget went to. Right. They had to get these rights for Michael. Michael Stipe needs to get paid for this licensing. I'm sure he was, but he was probably, he was probably holding out because he's like, of course, do you want to use my song? Of course. Every two years, a disaster movie wants to use this song. Uh, so that, that is funny you said that. That's where the budget went. Because think about it, R.E.M., they... They did a brilliant thing. That song is forever going to be used. It was used in Independence Day. It was used in like 30 other films that I can think of. Um, it's perfect licensing for them. Yeah. Good for so, them. Get paid. Yeah. Getting paid. Uh, we talked about the series. The length of this was over eight hours. The original was six. Yeah, so I looked it up because I was just kind of curious. I'm like, how many extra hours did we really have here? Um, so I went back and I kind of looked up. So six hours for the original miniseries and eight hours more or less for this. And, and some of those are kind of end credits and so forth. So, so it hasn't actually a couple of, an hour and a half to two hours extra. Um, but oh. it'd be interesting if we kind of lopped off this lap last episode here, you know, you then you're kind of looking at seven hours and you're like, it's really not that much of time difference to, uh, between the two. No, there's not. I felt I felt like this one was shorter at first. I, I felt like it was going to rush through it, but I believe that was just the pacing of the the story and like things that they left out. It felt kind of rushed. I don't know. Are you going to cancel CBS Access now? Uh, well, it's becoming Paramount Plus, so whatever right. that means on March fourth. Um. <laughs> I saw that. I've been watching the commercials. They're they're like bundling Paramount with CBS with Nickelodeon. And won't tell you exactly what's going to be different. <laughs> no. Can I watch The Godfather streaming at any time? Like, can you watch any Paramount movie at any time? Because I'll keep I, it for that. Then that could be something. Because I, oh, okay. Well, maybe they're kind of doing it. So, so we'll see. I'm also kind of a sucker. Like, oh, sure. Add an, add something else to the to the pot. I'll... Yeah. I think it's, I think for me, if they can stream Paramount films at any time, like, I'll, you know, like Disney, you can, like Disney Plus, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. Mm hmm. But if it's like select stuff and still like just a bunch of crappy television, <laughs> no, yeah, it's gonna be gone. And Paramount Plus sounds more exciting than CBS All Access. It does. Yeah, yeah, I like Paramount. They're probably my favorite studio. The Godfather, Top Gun, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. You remember uh, the? You re always remember the films that start with Paramount, or I used to. I was like, yes, this is it. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Jaws. No, Jaws is Universal. Raiders right. of the Lost Ark is Paramount. Yep. Right. Always start with that mountain. Oh, there it is. Um, we're going to get into... Uh, well, so The Stand, uh, overall, disappointing, I think. Um, but uh, it kind of makes me want to read the book again. I think I'm going to, like... I've only read it once. I think I'm going to go through it again as I'm older now and more mature. And I wonder, because I read... I like, When I was young, I read a lot of Stephen King, and you'd have your own version of what these characters look like. And I was like, I wonder if it... Now, when I, like, let's say when you reread re The Stand, are you going to picture James Marsden? Are, are you going to picture these people? Or are you going to go back in your mind to who you kind of had in, in, your, in your head? That's a really good point. I'm going to be thinking of everybody from this version we just watched the entire time. And there's no way to stop it. So I'm going to embrace it. Do we have like some total recall or something where you can just like erase? <laughs> yeah, can we zap that out of there like Men just, in Black? Yeah, 
take care of that and that way you can start afresh like and and next week you'll be like i started this book called the stand i don't know what's going to happen yeah i don't know what, what is this what is this about and then i'll see that there's I have a mini series on it i'll go i should really watch this mini series <laughs> before i, I read the did. book because yeah. <laughs> this is great and it's just a never-ending loop of watching this uh <laughs> the stand cbs all access i watched i rewatched it the other night the whole thing just to um not the whole thing. I didn't watch what? episodes seven and eight again, but I watched one through six just before the finale, just to like brush Seriously? up. Yeah, yeah. Oh it was a dark day for me. I was like done work early, <laughs> and I was like, I'm just gonna fire up the first one again, and then I just let them run through. Really, it was a dark day because I knew I was gonna cancel this thing. I was like, I'm gonna watch it one more time. <laughs> I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of see, it. See if I missed something. No, we missed nothing. Yeah, it, it this was... has no layers to it, or no, or nothing too deep. I guess I should say it was very one-dimensional. Robert Hemingford home being boiled down to a nursing home, and Mother Abigail phoning in her lines on the set of The View. Oh, that's right. She had one more scene, so this is her her fifth day of filming, and then she was back to the United <laughs> States. <laughs> this is her fifth day of filming. What was her final scene? Uh, she was a, a Franny, after she has her encounter with Flag uh, in her um, uh, mysterious world, or wherever she was at, she encounters Mother Abigail singing on the porch, um, right. which is the same song that the young Abigail was singing in the tent. Um, but So I was a little excited because I'm like, oh, for fans, here's the cabin, here's where she's supposed to be living uh, in the book. But it looked right. It did look right. I felt like that worked. I wish she sang the song, Friend in Jesus. Come for you, Stu. She should have been singing the Friends theme song. (laughs) That would have been a good moment for me to just to laugh. The Friends theme song? Yeah. I'll be there for you. And Franny shows up like, Franny? (laughs) And it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. We're on a break. We're, can you hear me okay? I hit yeah. my microphone and I feel like something's off. I can hear you fine. Okay. Oh. The Stand. Please the watch it. End. Um, speaking of Set Jetter Saturdays, which we weren't really talking about, today's an anniversary of Friday the 13th, the reboot. The 2009 reimagining, I should say. And you posted some cool shots of this, of this film. Yes. The set. But I met with a peculiar little bit of backlash. Well, I was trying to find the right words. Usually I just say, no matter what the film, I'm like, happy anniversary to such and such. And, um, and this time I put, happy anniversary to the unnecessary remake of Friday the 13th, uh, released in this day in 2009. And whew, I guess there are some fans of this that I did not know. But. And I don't I was think so unnecessary was that mean of. Uh... It's not mean at all. Yeah. And you you mentioned you're like, oh, it's getting backlash. First of all, it is unnecessary. You don't. You need another stand. I mean, it's stand. You need another. I'll never get the stand out of my head. You need another Friday the Thirteenth reboot. Like you needed Blues Brothers two thousand. You just don't need to do that. Um, so I felt like that was a very fair. You didn't say this is this awful film or this is terrible. <laughs> It was unnecessary. There was no yeah. need for another Friday the 13th, even another Friday the 13th in the series at the end 2009. You just didn't yeah. need to do that. 
No. And so I, I thought I it was very fair. Yeah. So and I saw it in the theater and like you know, I'm a completist, so I still went to the locations even though you I'm are. not a fan. Down in the backwoods of Texas. Yeho. And somebody made a good point on that thread on uh go to the, the set jetter's Instagram too, it's set dash jetter. Because somebody said it was like Friday the it was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Jason doesn't keep hostages. And that's absolutely true. Jason does not keep hostages and he doesn't kind of dwell in a house hoarding people for torture. That's not he, he will just kill you for trespassing at the lake. That's it. That's the end of Jason Voorhees. I don't know why they made him like with the underground tunnels and it, yeah. it was just so bizarre. Did he need to live underground? I don't know. Are there actual camps that have underground tunnels? I don't think so, but mm. certainly not in Texas, even though I think this still is supposed to take place in Jersey. But Is it supposed to take place in Jersey? I think well, you're right. They, they all do. I mean, I think for the, for the most part, I think um, the original canon, they're all supposed to, and of course it looks a little iffy in different sequels, but, uh, you're right. but this looked like, maybe it's just me, it just looked like Texas to me. It did look like Texas. It was filmed in Texas, obviously. Yeah. When you went there, was this on your trip when you did like best little whorehouse in Texas kind of thing? Yep, I was running all over the place, and it was all, like we talked before. It was during the floods, um, and so actually there was oh, yeah. some areas that I could I had to take different routes because highways were flooded, and um, I remember going oh, no. to the main house, and there was like I wasn't sure there was like this dip down on the road and it was like uh it probably had about a good six inches of water and i was like i guess it's okay i'll just keep going but this was the last like five six years right yeah yeah whenever that I, I can't remember when that was 2016 maybe yeah but. you're right but yeah i thought i thought your entry because you did a few today and i thought the uh, i think you did the wedding singer as well mm-hmm. uh, i thought the friday the 13th was i mean i'm not a big fan of that film but i thought it it was interesting to do I think you did a great job with the pictures, and I think all of the films um, in Friday the Thirteenth are always Got cool to see, like the locations for. Yeah, and like I had high hopes for the. I didn't have too high hopes for the two thousand nine one, but I did feel like they they would update it in in ways that needed updating. Um, but then they had like Jason running, you know, and it was like he Jason does run. He always runs. He ran in this one. I'll argue he runs in all of them. You think so? Part two he did, part three he did, part four he did. Uh, part six he did brisk walking, but he was dead. So. Wait, what did he do in part six? Brisk walking. Because <laughs> he had those Power long jog? strides. Yeah, because remember, uh, he'd be walking through the forest. They had these kind of scenes of him just strutting through. But is he running or is he just walking kind of with a purpose? He is. He's brisk walking. Like, he's sprinting, though. He's doing that. Yeah, he's trying to build back. Yeah. So. <laughs> but in the other ones, he does run. So I will argue okay. that. Michael okay. Myers is more of a, a walker. He's more of a walker. Mm-hmm. Don't you think Jason should be more of just a walker too, though? I like him running. You I like heard... him running? Yeah, it scares me when he. Because what do you then, think? Yeah. Do you like your zombies slow and bulky or agile and fast? Um, I remember when I think was Dawn of the Dead the first running zombies one, the remake, the two thousand four. I feel I like think, it was because I, I think, think it was, was twenty eight days later. Okay. I remember that was kind of startling because you're like, we had been so used to uh, the slower zombies. um, And I'm like, oh, crap, they're running now. What are we supposed to do? It's too scary when they're running so fast because you're like, you're already dead. Why are you like in shape? (laughs) 
<laughs> like, why are you in shape? Because they don't they run out of breath. That's that's. that's is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know if it was 28 Days Later, but I remember that was one that had them like, that was one of the first ones I've ever seen where they were running like full sprint. And you're like, what? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. By the way, 28 Days Later, that's the Danny Boyle one? Yes. Right. I had that movie. I bought it on DVD and I didn't see it yet when it like came out. And I was in college and there's like a few people. I was like, yo, I got this movie. Let's do it. And like, yeah, let's watch 28 Days Later. I was so excited. We went over to this person's house. In the last minute, they're like, I have Kill Bill. And they're like, let's watch it. I was like, no, we, we, we kind of agreed to, to watch this one. And I love Kill Bill. Yeah. But I was like, we, we kind of agreed to watch this one. And they were like, ah, but we got this one too. Let's take a vote. And then they like, killed the one. And I'm like, it was like a sign. I felt like George in Seinfeld. I was like, we agree on 28 days later. I was so pissed off. So like, I watched it and I like, didn't enjoy that movie. Mad the whole time. Yeah. So then I ended up like going home and I ended up watching that by myself at like 2 a.m. I enjoyed it. But I was like, we, we agreed on this. But, um, but, but Friday the 13th, the, uh, the film was unnecessary to, to make, I think. And, uh, I think it's I, hilarious that somebody took offense to that. that well, I think a couple people, but um, but I do I do like Jared Padalecki. I wasn't familiar with him at the time, um, and I and I I, <laughs> I consider it like because he was not quite the final girl, um, but I, he did have Alice's bob from the original film. He had the same hair, so I thought that was a little a throwback oh, yeah. to the original. <laughs> that was a good um, nod. But um, but yeah, and there there was a couple good pieces. Um, that I liked, but uh, overall, I was just like, oh, and and even the the it starts with the new line and the kill, 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 kill. and then that was it. That's the last time you hear that kind of little echo. But yeah, that was just a throwback. Yeah, and why did they do that again? Uh, one, just to kind of appease the fans, I think, or or appease the uh, original fans. No, no. Why didn't they do that again? Oh, oh I don't know. Maybe probably because they had to play. Uh, 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 Frank Bancuso, uh, every time they used it, is <laughs> probably the reality. Yeah, they had they had the rights to use it once. Was the uh, the scene? Did you like the scene when they're on the boat and the girl gets killed out there in the water, or when she sees Jason and she's in the water, the speedboat? Um, yeah, so I I like the, uh, the there's the thing there's there's some good kills in here where you know uh, Jason is a sharpshooter. Um, that I don't know how many hundreds of yards away that he was able to uh, get that guy. He's very uh, accurate. Yeah. Um, uh, it was kind of interesting because, like, one, he could, like, uh, torment people a little bit. Like, he knew the girl was, like, you're either going to drown or I'm going to get you, you know. So those things were... <laughs> I, 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 I'd much you. rather have that than some uh, the new blood where he's, like, bursting oh, out of yeah. the water and stuff like that. So so those things kind of worked <laughs> for me. Um uh, so the, the thing, technically, all these pieces should have added up to something better than it was. Yeah, the 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 moving parts didn't equal the sum of everything. They could have done more too with his history, I think, and showed like more of more flashbacks that were kind of prudent to, you know, his genesis. Mm-hmm. They could have done more with that. Now we'll probably have never have another Friday Thirteenth because of all the legal troubles that they're going through but i can guarantee they i think I they should just get all those final girls back they're all still they all still look great they're all like doing conventions i see alice and jenny and chris and trish and uh pam uh all back together tom matthews we can get him back uh, as well 
Yeah, they should bring those back. Yeah. They were great. What What are the legal troubles? Is it ownership between New Line and Paramount? Uh, it's mostly Victor Miller, I think, is trying to... Uh, the, the writer of the Friday 13th has been uh, wanting some their back pay. And I think then Sean Cunningham kind of got involved, too. So we'll see if there's ever another one. There will be, I'm sure, at some point. I did read about that, the Sean Cunningham thing recently. It was I think there was an article on Screen Rant. Um, and they were talking about that. I think they'll do something with it, but it, it's probably not going to be anytime soon. Did, did the 2009 version do well financially? Um, not well enough to get an immediate sequel. But, That's what it was. Yeah. Do you think they should ever reboot Friday the 13th in the sense of like the first one with Pamela killing people? Like, Would they ever do that again? I think, I don't see why not. That would have been a more, kind of a true reboot, maybe. Yeah, like how would or they do that? True, uh, remake, I guess I should say, not re-reboot. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. The thing is, that would throw audiences because uh, the younger ones would be like, where is Jason in this? And that might, the thing is, they probably won't do that because they're like, kids would be pissed off. They're like, this is not Friday the 13th, you know. That's what I'm wondering, yeah, yeah. if they'd be like, this is a crock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But and they probably learned their lesson before, like Friday the Thirteenth, the TV series, not Jason to be seen once. Uh, <laughs> that was a tough sell. Um, that was a tough sell. Yeah. Uh, do you want? We want to get into. Do you want to get into? Do they still hold up? Sure. This is a really fun segment. If you're not listening, if you're not listening, if you're not listening, you can't hear what I'm saying. <laughs> if you're not familiar with this, if you haven't listened to the last uh, episodes. Um, past few episodes, uh, Robert and I have discussed if they still hold up. It's exactly what you think. Uh, today we'll be doing 1983, the top grossing films of the year 1983, and seeing if they still hold up 40 years later. And uh, I feel like you and I have been pretty on par with with uh, our opinions of these. Um, I do see Scarface on the list. Doesn't hold up. I'm just going to say that right <laughs> there. <laughs> It's one of those honorable top 30 mentions. But. <laughs> right. I just saw that. Because I, I actually talked to somebody about that today. And I love the movie Scarface. I love Al Pacino. But it's a terrible movie. It's shot very poorly. It's, the music's terrible. It's just not like a good film. It's a fun ride with the violence and Al Pacino cursing. And, you know, I thought about, thought about it. You know, you're like, look at a pelican fly, come on, pelican, look at a pelican. Like, it's funny, but it's not like a good film. It's not a Godfather. But it still, was like, has a, still has a following. So I remember a couple of years ago, my mentee, uh, I think it was, he was wearing a t-shirt. I'm like, what's your shirt? He's like, Scarface. It's, I love that film. I'm like, he's like 14. I'm like, really? I'm like, that's like, one, not your era. And two, how do you how do you discover this? Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah. So apparently, it's still a thing. It's crazy. Uh, we watched that in school in seventh grade. It was like one of the last days of school of the year. Scarface. The te- yeah, what? the teacher goes, "You can watch any movie you want." And this kid, Angelo Polina, is like, uh, "I'll bring in Scarface." She's never seen this, nor did her homework. And goes, uh. "Okay, you can bring it in." She let us continue to watch it after, like, the chainsaw scene. I'm like, if this happened today with cell phones, you would be fired. There would be lawsuits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those it was crazy. Make- that was my first entry into Scarface. <laughs> Did it uh, scar you? It okay. scarred me. 
Look at a pelican fly. Come on, pelican. They were flamingos. It did, and that's- when I was younger, because it, this film had it kind of like you heard about. Every, people would always talk about, you know, the, the shower scene or the chainsaw scene, however they refer to it. And it's like, well, what is it? And actually, it's uh, more what you thought, almost a text chainsaw, more what you thought was happening than you actually saw. So it, it, yeah. did, it did well that way. It did. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I watch it here and there. I have the collector's DVD that came with like the money clip of Tony Montana. Not that you were ever going to do anything with that. Um, it's like, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, it's you did it at the time. Yeah. And it helped Michelle Pfeiffer. She was their next stepping stone onto her career. My favorite. Even the though I, I prefer, I like to think Grease 2 was the actual made her a star. Oh, Grease 2? The year before. I love Grease 2. It was nineteen eighty two. Was Greece too? Um, I think so. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Do they do they still hold up? The top grossing film of nineteen eighty three. This is according to Box Office Mojo. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. It still holds up. Um, and it didn't quite hold up for me when I was a kid. So I had, I was a huge Star Wars kid, and I was had thirteen by this point, and I had all my Star Wars cards and everything. So I was. The anticipation for this, I can't probably explain what it was like back then, how we had to wait. You know what three years feels like in kid years? It was forever to see. Might as well be a decade. We needed this next chapter. And and I had my, I was part of the Star Wars fan club and I had my Bantha tracks. And I remember there'd be pictures released, like nine pictures. I was just, I would study those pictures. I was like, what could possibly be happening? Leia's hair is down, and Luke is in a forest, and like, there's all this, you know, like, what could yeah. be happening? Um, on Endor. Yeah. So who knew? But um, we we knew Jabba Hub. Obviously, we're they're going to do that, and and is Darth Vader really Luke's father, and like all this stuff? Um, and then, <laughs> and I kind of remember it. I was you know seeing the movie in the theater, and like, yeah, it's fine. Like I just is like not. You weren't like, feeling it as much? I wasn't feeling it as much, and I was like, is this uh, one of my first lessons of expectations versus reality on what this uh, movie could be, what people had br- are bringing to the theater uh, to kind of say, you know, but it, did, it was no... Did Im- you set your expectations so high, you think, that you were let down? No, because else? I can revisit it now, and I was just like, yeah, it's... No. No, still doesn't, you know. It doesn't hold up for you? For completist, yeah, you need to watch watch all of it. And it has some, obviously, great special effects. and But, yeah, not, not my thing. They also switched out the um, the actors that played Anakin at the end. It was, oh, the- they put in Hayden Christensen <laughs> and sent it that other guy. And the reasoning was because Hayden Christensen, you know, his version of, of Anakin is Anakin's spirit. That's that's yeah. why. And Luke should have been just kind of smiling at Ben and Yoda and yeah. then like who's that? <laughs> why why did they do that? Uh well George does what he wants, so he Apparently. Yeah. Might as well have been surprised not holding walkie talkies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> just don't use the word terrorist. Uh, yeah, so some of the changes when you're talking about the special edition and kind of the kind of variations, like um, some are probably for the better. Um, I miss the Ewok song at the end, the celebration song uh, that yes. they had in the original. The original uh, which, so much better. I'm trying to remember what other changes they had. They like, did it, the the montage at the end. They updated, mm-hmm. not the montage when they showed all the different like planets and land celebrating. They updated some of the graphics in there. 
I, and I do, I remember, because they, they have a new shot of when C-3PO and R2 are going to the Jabba's palace. And the new shot has like this, the door is like 50 foot long. <laughs> and oh, when the door, yeah. But when the door opens, it's, it's back to it's, 20 feet. Yeah, why is that? This is where they have good ideas, like, oh, we should make Jabba's palace even bigger. And they're like, great, let's just do it in this one scene. And the reverse shots, who cares? Nobody will know. Yeah, it's so crazy. I think why they George, do that. George has a stamp that says good enough. And that's good enough. How things get done. Is that why? Yeah, they do they do a lot of unnecessary changes. Yeah. Next on the list is Flashdance, which has the song Maniac in it, am I right? Yes. So this was not early MTV. I mean MTV was probably just at their prime where MTV could yeah. make films by two weeks beforehand videos are out and kids are just pumped to go see this movie who was in Flashdance? who's like the lead jennifer beals is that her name yeah i would like to say jennifer beals i've only seen this movie once it's okay so it's right it. it's probably not a, a movie that holds up but it has some iconic images more than scenes that people always remember and people still reference so obviously pulling the water and yeah and that so she's a maniac i just remember they spoofed that in american wedding <laughs> remember that scene yes you've seen american wedding of course i've seen all the american pies that's and awesome the locations that's that's the that's complete so great <laughs> i love that you've seen that but you also remember the scene perfectly um but yeah so this one yeah. now and i think i feel like as we go through the 80s, you know, we start the 80s strong. or like, these are movies for life. And then the, the farther we get, we're like, eh, this one can go. Yeah, we're, we're getting it. It's a deep dive here. Uh, Trading Places is on the uh, list as number three for 1983. Robert, does, this, does Trading Places still hold up? So I have not seen this in a while. But from what I remember, I mean, it was a great comedy. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, this was kind of her next big breakout. Um, that she had obviously done all of her horror movies and she did Death of a Centerfold, but this was kind of the first major motion picture uh, where she uh, became kind of more, I was not, I would say legitimate, she's always been a legitimate actress, but she kind of became mainstream. Yeah, this kind of put her over the, the hump with that. Also with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Somebody else was in that too. Um, I think I watched this last holiday season. Uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times. I think it still holds up. It's a classic. Um, it's John Landis film. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good 80s comedy. It's yeah. got some great actors in it. It's enjoyable. Probably not as politically correct as we would make now, but... No, certainly yeah. not. <laughs> certainly not. There's a lot of movies in the 80s that you wouldn't make now, like Silver Streak. And you're like, <laughs> oh. And The Toy. Who? Do you remember the toy? Oh, yes. It was the, basically the, like, hey, I bought you a slave. <laughs> like, great. I can do whatever I want with them? Sure can. Sure can. Uh. <laughs> I love I love stereotyped or stereotypical 80s rich guys where they're just like, they're always coming from a country club. They're always like, have a butler and, and a Rolls Royce wherever they go, you know? And they live in like Encino, but they have like, like in Karate Kid, they have like the country clubs. And I just, it's hilarious to me. They're all like, Uncle Pennybag from the game Monopoly. Yeah. And I can't remember the the wife or the mistress's name in it, but yeah. 
They're propellers. <laughs> They're pro- she was she was great. Yeah, that is great. Um, War Games is number four on the list. Matthew Broderick. Um, I think I lo- love this movie. I think it holds up. Uh, obviously, the computers in the movie don't hold up because it's 1983 technology. But mm-hmm. if you put yourself in the mind frame of the mindset of you're watching a movie from 1983, it's it's still a pretty entertaining book. It's Ferris Bueller versus the U.S. government, and it's kind of it's a cool. It's a cool movie. It gets a little weird towards the end, but uh, yeah, I think it holds up. I would agree. Um, so I, I, this has kind of made you, if you didn't have a computer then, you're like, oh, I must have a computer after watching more games too. Um, and I think, like literally, pencil. my first password that I ever created was also pencil. Because <laughs> that's, really? that's the first thing I could think of, because that was the, the school password that day to, for him to kind of get into the, the grade. So pencil was my first password that I ever created. No, I don't still use it. I don't think that's even possible. Uh, now it'd be no. capital P, <laughs> E star, and you know, however you would have to make it uh, a work this time. It's not even enough characters to be a password in 2021. No, not at all. It's funny too that they had the passwords in a slide out, <laughs> like like oh, that's the password for all of the grades written on this handwritten note by a table the kid's sitting on. Okay, I would imagine that would still be the case. For, I'm sure for many people. <laughs> there it is. Throw it down yeah. there. Um, but uh, yeah, Ali Sheedy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was yeah typical '80s parents that but not paying attention to their kid. Um, mothers working in real estate. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a great '80s film. And Dabney Coleman. You can't go wrong. Yeah, can't go wrong. Almost triggering a intercontinental nuclear war in war games. What was the computer's name in Wargame? Mm, now you're going to throw me. Now I feel like you have to look it up. Yeah, Wargames. They had the... You know what I'm talking about? The computer system? Yeah. Now I'm not going to remember. I just remember I had lots of bleep, bleep, bleeping. Uh, it was a big rectangle. <laughs> Who do you want to be? Let's be the Russians. Uh, yeah, the computer system was... Uh, and I think they made... The voice a- of Joshua sequel or something too but I, I think I started to watch it yeah and but it just yeah Did see, I haven't it, seen the yeah. sequel you've seen I think I started to and it just looked like one of those made for cable not even made for cable but not worth to even uh, watching one of those guys yeah uh, next film on the list is Octopussy uh, Octopussy is MI6 heading to... I get a little gray with the Roger Moore early 80s films. So Octop- Was Donald Pleasance in this one? No. Um, so Octopussy was one of my... It might have been the first James Bond that I saw, if I remember. So Maude Adams was, the I think, the first Bond girl to return. She was Bond girl in another Bond. I can't remember. She might have oh. been with during the Sean Connery time. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I like this one a lot. Um, it was my, yeah, I think it was my first big screen bond. So I've yeah, this is the one with <laughs> octopusy, obviously, but, um, the Afghan prince. Yes. It's kind of almost early, uh, 
Indiana Jones than Temple of Doom. <laughs> nice. They're good. I, I have yeah. seen this one. I think I, I'm confusing this with the other one. That Donald Pleasance was in one too, I think. Yeah, so he was uh, a few before this. He was like the Dr. Evil. This was the Fabergé egg and um, yes. but yeah, so this one holds up. I think the beginning starts in a circus and Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I like this one. Pushé. It's good. It's good stuff. Octopussy is I want to th- say it's one of the highest grossing ones ever, right? I think, I think it did pretty well. And and the thing about these Bonds are it was obviously all practical effects back then and practical stunts. Mm-hmm. And so there was a different level of excitement uh, when you because you knew you know it wasn't Roger Moore, but you knew somebody was doing these out, outrageous things and and yeah. survived. <laughs> Hopefully, it's part of the magic of 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 cinema in the 80s. It's why, you know, we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those all those explosions are real. You take you take that away with you. It's cool. The ghosts that came out of the ark were real. They were real. They were all real. <laughs> they reused them for the stand. Spared no expense. Spared, spared no expense. Uh, Mr. Mom is on the list. This is uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, Terry, this is always Terry a funny Gunner. movie. What's that? <laughs> Terry Gar, uh, she's still one of my favorite comedic actresses. Played the wife uh, who had it. Now in the movies, it's always advertising job. They have a busy advertising job, and nine times out of ten, they have to create a new <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. Not why do this- they always do that? Why is why are advertising always the go to? Because that was the only jobs women could get in the eighties. I don't know. It was always just literally. It was always advertising job. You know, always. because it's always it's like we have a big campaign. Uh, <laughs> We we need fresh ideas, and this is used over and over again. I'm thinking of uh, thirty go- thirteen going on thirty, and uh, Jack oh, yeah. and Jill, and like we have to land the big campaign. Uh, and they're like, I have what an women idea. want, yeah. And they're always at home. It's like I was watching my kids, and I thought about the, you know, like it's every every time. I was like, these and- lucrative. Uh, I, maybe the advertising industry was like, this was they they paid off the film industry to. Put that yeah, in. apparently to throw it in there. Yeah, they're always working on the big campaigns and landing the big fish. Yeah. <laughs> got to land this big fish. Yes, and we've got this great th- new ad for Nike. Mm-hmm. And there's you always think- somebody pitching something, and they're like, "Next," you know, like, "Like, oh, I try, I did my best." <laughs> my best. Uh, next. <laughs> but Mr. Mom is pretty. Um, so one, it probably has funny moments. I obviously it was. Early '80s. This is, uh, you know, sexist, and God forbid, should a man uh, take care of the kids and have to deal with the uh, plumbers and and everything. God forbid. Uh, go, going shopping. Oh my goodness, a man <laughs> in a grocery store. What's going to happen next? <laughs> Find out. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it all wrong. <laughs> Which actually still is a thing for school pickup. So, <laughs> what's that? You're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. There's certain rules and, and guidelines for, for school pickup and drop off. <laughs> well, that's a big system, right? Yeah, you don't mess with that. Like, if you, you can't, like, stop the car, you have to keep moving, or you can't move unless there's a certain yeah. thing. They did that in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Gemma was, like, picking up one of the kids, and, like, some mom's like, You're doing it wrong. You're not, the, this is your first time. And they're like, Wow, they're really militant about this. This is system. probably the first film that had that. That type Ooh. of scene. So landmark film. <laughs> now I did do locations for this one as well. So did you really? Yeah, yeah. Robert so I... has done most <laughs> films that have ever been made. 
Um, yeah, because I think I was the one to find the house. The house had been kind of missing. Uh, nobody had found that at the time. This is years ago. So, um, and they, they actually did a little add-on, Ooh. so it looks slightly different, but it still looks the same. Same, same lamp that they have uh, in front of the uh, kind of the stoop uh, that they go to, and I found like the neighbor's house, and uh, I think a couple other locations. Her her advertising company, of course, is downtown LA. Let's take a look-see um, yeah. on the com. Do you like that I put these up here, or does that yeah. put you on the well, spot? Sometimes it does put me on the spot, because I'm like, where is that? Or Close oh, your eyes, Robert, oh, and I'm going to describe a movie, and you tell me, I'm going to describe a picture, and you got to tell me what date you were there. Uh, this was probably like two, no, nah, I can't tell you. So Sometimes I can, I can, but yeah. There's the house. Okay, so this is in where is Greenfield this is, Ave? This is right by UCLA, so not too far from there. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, so kind of north of the Westwood area. So you can see uh, they added kind of where the kind of garage is. They kind of added onto the house, but otherwise it's pretty recognizable. It looks like the same fence and everything. This is off of like Sunset Boulevard, then. Yeah, just a, a several blocks uh, up, but kind of, and I can't remember how I found this house, but. Wow. Downtown Los Angeles? Yep, can't be. Pretty recognizable. This was in a lot of movies, right? Uh, they kind of, and it, maybe it's, it could be stock footage, too. Because they Ooh. never really go to this location. So, um, Pasadena for the big boss's house. Um, <laughs> and you got to figure out how much money is he Is making? that Martin Bowles house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how much money are these guys making? Yeah. I love it. Where's this? Um, Santa Monica. So yeah, Santa Monica, and right when they turn out. So. Uh, oh yeah, I know where this is. Looks about the same. They still have the, and you could tell I get annoyed when, like, when I go to this location, they have a big party, and I'm like the weirdo trying to get some pictures. And I've I've been past here before. It's always busy, right? Yeah, and it's a parking lot, and so this is where everybody parks for uh, the adjacent stores. Oh. So yeah, this is Mr. Mom. Uh, you think it holds up? No, you don't. You think it's dated? Um, I'll pray. I think it's too dated to to hold up. And yeah, uh, staying alive, staying alive. This is uh, Saturday Night Fever Part Two. Yeah, He's staying alive. Directed by Stallone, if I remember correctly. This is often considered one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> and I don't know if I've seen it. If I I feel like I've started to watch it and I was like, no, this is uh, John Travolta buffed up, oiled and dancing and kind of a Tarzan type thing. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, yeah, I'm sure it has not held up for anybody. Yeah, I've never John seen Travolta. it either. I did hear did somebody describe it once, though, as it's just kind of sad. You see Travolta putting on his old disco clothes and walking down the street. And it's kind of like you want the seventies back. I'm like, you're not really selling the film for me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think so, of Saturday Night Fever? Do you like that film? No, I, I because I was like a Grease kid, and, and like, and so at the time I was like, Saturday Night Fever, it's like it's gonna be like Grease, and it's not at all. No, it's and not. So, I, uh, it, I never it probably liked that. it worked as a drama, but everything surrounding it now is like you know, discotopia. Um, but that's yeah. That, those are smaller pieces of the film. Grease is a timeless classic. Uh, Saturday Night Fever has certainly the soundtrack that's timeless. But I, I don't know the film itself with the story arc, and I don't know. 
It's like a bad summer of Sam. <laughs> As opposed to a good summer of Sam. I know, right? Uh, Risky Business is next on the list. Um, I would say this does not hold up. And it did not quite hold up for me that I've never been... Well, to talk about, about Tom Cruise, I've never been a huge Tom Cruise fan, but no. I, I do have respect for later in life. He, When we were talking about stunts, he is the one, the only one, that does literal death-defying stunts that only he can do because he's the producer of the movie and he will pay the insurance or whatever it happens to be. So even though a lot of Mission Impossibles are kind of okay, uh, he usually has a couple scenes. And like the new Top Gun, you know, he's actually in, somebody else is flying the plane, but he's actually in the plane yeah. doing these scenes. And so I have to give him credit for that, that nobody nobody does that. But back to Risky Business. Um, cool. No, it, it's it's obviously a very 80s film, and it was more of like another typical 80s. The parents are always away. Uh, <laughs> always away. We're going uh, out for the weekend. Don't have a party. And this was a time where, like, you know, I was young. I was like, Chicago is scary. Because all the movies uh, that would have, you know, just kind of painted Chicago as this pretty scary place. Maybe it was a scarier place back then. Maybe it still Yeah, was. Chicago and New York. There are always yeah. these, like, dens of crime. Yeah. <laughs> And L.A. is always this, like, hop in, like, we're all in a limousine, we're all going to the beach. Well, it is like that, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. There's no yeah. problems here. Yeah, um, vacation is next on the list. Uh, Robert, do you think Vacation, Chevy Chase? Um, it does Chick still Beverly D'Angelo? Yeah, there's enough. Like, And I've watched it for, like, not too long ago, because I was flipping through, and I was like, you know, there's enough... Uh, that holds up. Christmas Vacation is probably still the best of the vacation movies. Sure. Um, but it has a little bit more timeless, but uh, Aunt Edna and the dog leashed to the car, and it, it has enough so great good. scenes going for it. And of course, your John Candy is in there. I do love it. It definitely holds up, my opinion. Next up is Richard Pryor's finest role after the toy, Superman 3, with Richard Pryor. <laughs> And Christopher Reeves. But we might have talked about this it. time. Yeah. Um, and I think this kind of also reminds me of Return of the Jedi. I was like, I was a huge Superman and Superman 2 fan. And I had the shirts and everything. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait to see the new Superman. And, and the opening credits, I'm like, this isn't Superman. This isn't like, Superman. <laughs> you'll believe a man can fly. In <laughs> Superman 3, you'll believe a man can suck. <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, it's... It had moments that are like are kind of fun, but at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, this is not a, a, a good Superman movie. But the end has scarred many kids, I know, for um, uh, the sister that gets sucked into the computer, and she gets computerized, and her hair's yeah. all and she yeah, opens no. her silver eyes. That still scars. Uh, adults this day think about that as a it's very creepy. scary movie. Yeah. Uh, I think if Superman 3 were its own movie without Superman, it might have been one of those movies where people have a nostalgic feeling because you're like, oh, it's Richard Pryor. It's a, it's a great film. But it's it comes off the heels of two great movies, uh, Superman 1 and 2. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what direction they were trying to go in that film. And, and he didn't really do anything too funny in it. 
And no. so for, when you hire a comedian, you kind of expect some, you know, like when you, when you hire an enemy for for something, you expect some uh, ad libbing and and looks and stuff. And yeah, yeah Richard had a couple of those, but uh, not enough to to pull it off. No, it was just uh, a cash grab. I did like um, Annette O'Toole as Lana Lang. So the, the, those pieces of the oh. film worked for me, where he went back to Smallville um, and kind of rekindled uh, his kind of uh, love for Lana Lang. And, and so those pieces of the film worked. Poor Margot Kidder. Oh. Off to Tahiti. Yeah. <laughs> Is that where they went? I can't remember where she went. But yeah, Tahiti. Yeah, she, had, she had her uh, bikini. And then, uh, and then she showed up back at the end uh, with some fake tan. She's like, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. What happened to Margot Kidder? Uh, she passed away uh, a few years ago. Like this, like in the last five years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to go down to Kansas City to meet her, and I had a meeting I could literally oh. just could not get out of. And my friend went down, um, and, and so I will just I said, I'll catch her the next time. And sadly, there was no next time, but she will be missed. Yeah, Is she was great. Time. She was great in Amityville Horror, too. Yeah, she... Complete, thinks that film is complete shit, but and I don't think she quite understands the, oh, the it's following that it has. But, um, but I, and she tells stories that she was just laughing uh, at during the filming uh, of Amityville yeah, Horror. She just she she had no patience for it. But uh, she, I think she was just offered the role flat out because of uh, Superman. And um, yeah, you take it. Yeah, and it was well, obviously Robert, it was a blockbuster film. Checks don't bounce. Cash doesn't bounce. Cash is cash. Checks yes. aren't. I'm gonna write you a check. <laughs> You're gonna be here. Yeah, damn wedding cake. I got boxes. <laughs> I got firewood to chop. I don't want to be able to with the boxes forever. What's going on with him? It's like I said. The original is still better than the the Ryan Reynolds remake. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. I love the I love the original. I just love George and just the. the I'm gonna write you a check. You're gonna be eating your own damn wedding cake. It's like, what's going on? It's That's just Long great. Island for you. It's great. Um, other notable mentions in the top thirty uh, highest-grossing films of 1983, the year of Robert's birth, is <laughs> "Never Say Never Again." This is the unofficial James Bond entry of the year with Sean Connery, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sean Connery. So this was so actually. Um, Roger Moore came back for Octopussy because I think at that point he was ready to retire. He was done. And uh, the producers say, yeah, it's time for a new bond. But they knew that the Sean Connery thing was happening. Like we can't, we can't trust a new actor right now. We have to go with what we know. So, um, so, so uh, obviously, so never, never, obviously it did pretty well. It was still in the top 30, but not well enough to uh, uh, kind of, keep it going uh keep some sean connery vehicles going but kim Kim basinger was in this um and actually one of of the guys from superman 3 uh it was his year the the soldier that had the eye replacement and he plays kind of lana lang's ex-husband in superman 3 he's a never say never again yep what a banner year for superman 3 yeah he's probably like that actor's like yes i have it made yeah, that's a good. That's good. But so, never say never again was not by the studio, right? Wasn't this like an unauthorized, quote unquote, kind of film? Yeah, Bond? and it was based on I might say Thunderball or something like that. There was some so there's some loophole that uh, yeah. they were able to take advantage of, and so they they, they could call it. 
it was weird. They could call it a 007. There's certain things they could do and certain things they couldn't do. So they, they right. couldn't they couldn't start with the uh, the gun no. uh, thing, and that's why you had this kind of gate of 007s. I think the the camera went through, but yes, yeah, they could get away with with a few things. Um, not hold up for that one. No, yeah, it doesn't hold up at all. The big people chill. Are, people aren't claiming like, yeah, let's put on Never Say Never Again. I haven't seen that. Hey, what are you doing tonight? I just fired up Never Say Never Again. You want to turn it back? You want to rewind it? We'll watch it together. I'll watch it twice if that's what you mean. Let's do it. Well, some people have watched The Stand twice, so I don't know. I know. It's sad. It was a sad day. In my defense, I didn't sit there and watch it. I was on the computer, and I had it on, and I would occasionally look up. Gotcha. So I was, like, doing other stuff. Um, so, well, like I said before, that's what I call uh, while you do laundry movies. Yeah, this was a while you want to fall asleep or blow your brains out movie. <laughs> the Big Chill. This is Jeff Goldblum's finest film, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I well, the thing is, I keep thinking like, oh, this was his first film, and that was his first film. And I was like, actually, no, he he's like been around forever. So he, I think he was kind of a he was actually kind of a known actor at this time. But so this has a great cast. I think this is one of Glenn Close's first films. Um, yes. I think it might have been her second. So, but Kevin yeah, Klein's so, in this movie, I think. Kevin Klein, Joe Beth Williams there from Older Guys, yeah. Meg Tilly, I love. Mary Kay Place is one of my favorite actresses ever. Meg Tilly's great in Body Snatchers. Yes. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where, Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one no like you like left. left. Um, yeah, this is a good flick. Yeah, so it still holds up. It is a soundtrack movie i think if this was a musical they'd call it the jukebox musical because they just throw in all the hits and i think that's why it worked for that age of audience Ooh, good point and i think it worked for um and that's relatively timeless music so i remember i would have mm-hmm. I, had the, I had both tapes i had the big chill and then more of the big chill they had two two tapes they released a second soundtrack. oh like they did with forrest gump when there's just like we just have too many great songs here's yeah. another soundtrack for you so I remember being on road trips like back east to Niagara Falls, actually in particular, to, to see the Superman 2 location. Um, yeah. And these were long trips from Nebraska to you know the East Coast. And so I just had the chill tapes I would listen to uh, over and over again. So, um, yeah, so I, as a kid, I all the nuances were probably lost on me. <laughs> of, yeah, of what's I didn't going see on. it as a kid. I saw it in college. I enjoyed it. But, but you, saw, you saw this theatrically? Um, no, I saw it on cable. So probably nice. not too soon after I was on cable because, um, like I said, I would, I, I was going to say I was watching adult movies. I would just watch any, almost any type of movies. Um, so th- there's pieces I got, and now I look back and I'm like, well, they're really not that old. <laughs> no. <laughs> look, look, looking back, um, and I still, uh, they, they don't talk about in the movie what the big chill means, but obviously it means death. Um, and they're there yeah. because of the death of their friend, who now it's pretty well known that the friend was uh, Kevin Costner who uh, you only see pieces of his wrist and stuff in the opening scenes, yeah. but uh, there were some flashback scenes they shot. I don't know if they ever released those scenes um, or sure. on extras or something like that, but um, I think so. yeah. So I think I mean, th- this film still works for me because uh, it's, it's a little bit timeless and, and human drama and brutality and uh, reconnecting with friends. And is it the same years later and, enjoying life over music. I agree. I think it still holds up. It still has a little bit of nostalgia to it, even, you know, in first viewing and probably when it came out too, in the sense that it's, you know, reconnecting with old friends and there's a lot of what ifs. It's almost like 
what ordinary people wanted it to be and could never mm-hmm. pull it off. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? Ordinary People? Yeah. Oh, just once. Was that Donald Sutherland and Timothy Yeah. And... It, the book's really, yeah. really good, but the movie just, it beat Raging Bull. I don't know how that happened, but uh, it like wanted to be so much. It was Robert Redford directing it. It, it just didn't make it. Yeah. A big chill, big, the big chill, I think, really does hold up. It does. Um, when you s- drove to Niagara Falls from uh, Nebraska, mm-hmm. did you stop at the Lorton General Store to get supplies? <laughs> we did Because that's a drive. I- I think we, I know we lived in Omaha at this point, so it was okay. usually it was a two to three day drive, and I was uh, how was I? I was probably uh, nineteen eighty. I was sixteen. Um, oh, so, that's a fun uh, trip. Yeah, so I remember uh, what I was still somewhat of Superman two fan, even though like I was a teenager, but I was excited, and I remember um, I d- didn't know about locations, but I'm like, oh, I know this is where the 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 hot dog stand was that Clark, you know. And this is where the kid fell off. And yeah, why was uh, he the, doing that? One of the tours they took us to, uh, where kind of farther down the river, and that's where Lois jump, jumps off uh, and kind of goes into the river. So I was actually excited. I have pretty good pictures oh. of of where Clark rescued Lois and stuff like that. So who knows? I was actually set jetting uh, when I was a teenager. There it is. This, it. Yeah. Was this the first foray into the set jetter? Uh, probably, probably. This is probably the probably one of the first locations that I was actually really at. So, and, and you excited took photographs to there. I do have photographs. There. Are they on the website? Because that should uh, be on the website. As I was doing this since 1983. I think it's on my blog. So I think on my website I might have a link to the to the blog that has has some of those pictures. I'm pretty sure. Um, I like that uh, your site's very clean too. It's not like all this crap popping up. I tw- yeah, you know I have a no ad site. I don't I refuse to to use ads, but uh, yeah, if you hit blog entry, there you can see some pictures from Niagara Falls. I don't know if you see sixteen-year-old me uh, in, in. Oh wow! So, but we'll see. There's Niagara Falls from actual photochemical pictures. <laughs> oh my gosh! So obviously, it looked pretty much. Oh, like this is a it. restaurant here, right? Yeah, my brother ate there. He had like salmon up there. I think it was too expensive for, for us to go up there at the time. This looks like something out of Jurassic Park. This is great. <laughs> so that's where the uh, the hot dog stand was. Oh, so remember, yeah. Superman fall, uh, flies behind there, and then he comes out. With, Here's your hot dogs, Lois. That is so cool. What do you do with the old you? site, the blog? Do you migrate them over, or are they just going to live here? Yeah, as they kind of happen, I just let them live there for now. Um, but as they kind of happen... Uh, and so here is the scenes uh, where, uh, on the next shots, uh, where Lois is kind of on a bench there, and she goes, bye-bye, baby, and she jumps over oh. uh, to the water. Is this where the kid right here was, like, hanging down? Yeah, somewhere over there. I don't know if I have closer pictures, but I don't know if I got the exact shot. Look at those mighty white caps. That's where Lois was. So some of these things you can see in the background. And so remember, Clark runs down. There's me, 16-year-old me. <laughs> Where? Uh, uh, go back to the next one. It's me and my sister. Here? Yep. This is you? That is me. We have to clean this up and move in for uh, digital analysis enhancement. Yeah. I, I have other pictures of me back then, so oh no. <laughs> I think it would be funny if we found old set jetter photos from 1983 and you look exactly like you do now. And then we did homework and we found you were born in 1820 and you just don't age. I wish I was that then as I was as a 16-year-old. As a <laughs> so I think if you go to the next couple shots, uh, right. 
Yeah, so Lois kind of, so right here is where he rescues Lois. And so she oh. has a piece of wood and he kind of pulls her into this area. So there is, there's the back of 16-year-old me. This lanky, is 16-year-old Robert? Lanky, skinny, yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you, was this a family trip that you guys like, stay, you stay overnight? I, I mean, I know too. Yeah. <laughs> you travel somewhere else or do you like stay at Niagara Falls? Uh, no, we stayed there a couple nights. I wonder how, I probably weighed 120 pounds there. Uh, <laughs> um, and That's a classic. It, uh, this should be the lo new logo of the set jetters is you yeah. standing on top of the falls yeah i'm trying to th i'm trying to think what year this was i, I thought it was 16 but that, i probably look about 16 there um but yeah so we, we would drive my like we talked about my dad was from back east so we'd take, take the the long trips back and sometimes we'd make stops along the way so this was obviously we had to go up north uh, to niagara falls and then head back. Now, this was taken in 1983 on a family vacation okay. So I was 13. Jeez. Wow. What a majestic man. <laughs> uh, next entry on the film of the Honorable Top 30 is Terms of Endearment. And unless you start curtsying on my face in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> this is a classic. Uh, uh, this, this is a top 10 for me. It's no a, it's a classic. Are. Oh, this It's so quotable. It's so timeless. Uh, Garrett Breedlove, Jack Nicholson, arguably his best role next to the Joker. Um, Shirley MacLaine, the nurse scene, give her the meds. Uh, it's just such a great film. And this was shot in, in Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in Nebraska, Lincoln? Nebraska and Texas. So mostly Lincoln. Yep. So, um, so, uh, we, uh, I've, I've a pretty extensive page on this, but, um, uh, I remember when they were shooting it because, and I was young, so I didn't quite, you know, I was probably 12 at the time and, um, wasn't sure how, uh who these kind of people were. I kind of heard of Jack Nicholson. I didn't know who Shirley MacLaine was. Um, but, uh, but I remember this film is kind of, uh, kind of a big to do. And I think they had one of the premieres in Lincoln. They did have one of the premieres uh, in Lincoln. And then Deborah Winger ended up dating our governor at the time. Um, was he a Democrat? He is. Yes. That has nothing to do with anything. I'm just always <laughs> curious about Nebraska <laughs> politics. So, but yeah, so this, this, the actual Terms of Endearment house, that's in Texas, so down in Houston. And so uh, thankfully that house looks relatively the same um, as it did. And the house next to it was Jack Nicholson's and that had, had some changes. So this is a big page, so sometimes it takes a quite a bit time to load. But You can't handle the power of set-jetter.com. Yeah. You can always tell my big movies, I'm like, I, I look for every single thing. So sometimes if you go through it, backwards uh, to the bottom up it loads better that way but um we can come back i think it also it. might be my connection there's like uh it's running oh, skype there, if, if you want to go back there. down there's a little bit of, it has a tightest scream uh the movie whether you know it or not so this kid is one of the teenagers in the scream oh yeah yeah you just talked about this yeah that's cool and he's actually at Stu's house at the end. He's in more than just this scene, but he. he oh wow! So, oh, these um, are cool. Yeah, so this was actually part of the book um, of the premiere book when they premiered in Lincoln that they gave out that I was able to get a copy of. Oh, that's so cool! Yep, so you can kind of see. This, this is a great shot right here. Yeah, so this is obviously a promo shot, but of course yeah. I put to make it because this is the house across the street uh, from Aurora Greenway's house.
How how far is this from where you live? Is this like a hike to get to? So this is still Texas. This is Texas. So this is Texas. Yeah. This movie. So how far is this from your house? Like eight hours. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so how far is it to? This is in New Zealand. So how far is it? How far is Lincoln though from you? Is what I'm yeah. trying to ask. Yeah. So um, is Lincoln a hike? Uh, Lincoln's probably uh, 15 minutes away, so not too far. So. Oh my gosh. Um. The, actually, the hospital looks about the same. Um, yeah. So I can do kind of shot by shot, but this is cool. It's Lincoln General Hospital back then. So, um, but yeah, so there's many shots that fans can kind of look through, and um, Lincoln Airport, almost the same. <laughs> not a very big airport. It's not. Mm -mm. It's yeah, it looks fairly the same. Probably three or four terminals, so not too oh, much. Okay. Same, same, same light fixtures. I uh, actually stayed at this uh, hotel when it was like right after the movie because uh, I remember we were staying there, um, and uh, my dad is like, "I think this is the Terms of Endearment Hotel." And no like, way! Yeah, wasn't she on the stairs there? And I was, I had not seen the movie yet because oh, I was still wow. in theaters. But yeah, so, but yeah, so, so obviously they've done some renovation to this. Where, where is this at? This is this in Lincoln. Is in, this is in Lincoln as well. Oh, that's so cool. This is on Cornhusker Highway in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yep. You guys love corn husking. We do. Same pool. Still have a game room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was this like a holiday inn or something like that? Uh yeah, I think that's what it was at the time. So but uh but yeah, so and actually the hotel was going through renovations and I just literally just kind of walked in and somebody's like, excuse me, and I'm like, uh, they they still let me take pictures, which was nice of them, but I thought that's it was just cool. I was, I was being kind of sneaky. But I, like <laughs> I didn't realize there. there was nobody staying there, so I wasn't really uh, being able to be too sneaky. That's so cool. But um, this is a great entry, though. I've yeah. seen this one before. It's it's really good. Yeah. So so fans, check it out if you're check it out. Set yeah, dash this is where I college, uh, University of Nebraska Lincoln. So oh, you were a corn husker. I was, and so um, and I still quote this movie. Uh, you know, she's rolling around with the stroller. And she's like, "Miss, great. miss, <laughs> miss, miss." This is a great flick. It really is. Definitely holds up. Yep. Next on the list is Blue Thunder. What Have you the seen hell it? is Blue Thunder? Never even heard of it. Blue Thunder is a Roy Scheider film uh, with Candy Clark and Malcolm McDowell. Um, nice. Plays a police helicopter pilot, um, and Malcolm McDowell plays the big bad. Uh, they have a new prototype helicopter that has whisper this and all these kind of gadgets and stuff like um i think you should check it out this film i actually just rewatched it to tell to give you a clue i have this film on blu-ray oh wow if you recommend it and i'm a big roy scheider fan i will watch it i can't believe you haven't seen it if you're a roy scheider fan blue thunder yeah i just love the name it sounds almost like a spoof just imagine sheriff brody but as an la helicopter did you say malcolm mcdowell's in it yes well, he was the best Dr. Loomis in the <laughs> Halloween movies ever, so uh, on board. Oh, he, Some might say the only Dr. Loomis. <laughs> yes. Why did they make him just another old white guy in that movie? Why? God forbid should I put unnecessary Halloween remake. Uh, when, <laughs> but, <laughs> but why in the Halloween remake did they make him just another old white guy? Make it a female character. Like, switch it up. That's the point. So, it's like redoing a song. Make I it think, different. 
zombie was trying to do the same thing where like have a huge name out of everybody have one huge name actor and that was the dr loomis uh character and so i think he was just kind of keep that repetition going yeah it was like general starkey in the new stand just give it to a big actor and it jk simmons it would kind of work if yeah if he's big enough that you've kind of you you forgot about donald pleasance because it's just malcolm mcdowell and you but i don't forget about Donald. you don't forget but but you don't think you don't look at him and think Dr. Loomis. He's kind of like the Sean Connery that yes. that, that syndrome is like it's always Malcolm McDowell. That's true. Dr. Loomis is best portrayed by Donald Pleasance because he <laughs> yes. drinks in the car and he's like a real guy and he's like that's the point and he wants to lock him away. He's not. I believe him. I believe. Yeah. Donald Pleasance. Um. Jaws 3D absolutely holds up as the number one film on this list. It's, I mean, the, it's so realistic, even without 3D glasses. When that shark hits the glass and there's a freeze frame and the glass goes flying as the water and the shark freezes, I, if that doesn't hold up, you need to send me back to school to learn what holding up means. I, I am lost. Love Jaws 3D. So it's saw this great. in the theater a couple times. Actually, I got to so see lucky. it in the theater a couple years ago in 3D again. LMO played it in actual 3D, which was nice. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. That's such a, a treat. I love Jaws 3D. It is a guilty pleasure for sure. I just love that they use SeaWorld. They got the licensing to SeaWorld. And that's not the worst thing that has ever happened to SeaWorld. No, it's not. They just throw their name out anywhere. Yeah, I wonder if if they paid them or SeaWorld. I don't. I wonder kind of how it worked. But uh, but uh, yeah, it seemed like they had free reign of the Orlando SeaWorld and uh, could just do whatever they wanted. Uh, uh, first film of Leah Thompson. So right before she began Ooh, to yeah. hit Back to the Future fame. Uh, and Bess Armstrong is one of my favorite actresses, and she's in this too. She's great. It is a it is a fun film. It's a very fun ride. I wish I saw it in three D or I had the option to see it in three D, just because that one scene. <laughs> it does make it a little bit better. Um, now, granted, is, this is a three D film in the eighties where they would be constantly poking uh, your stuff. It wasn't kind of a get into the the depth of the three D, but uh, it was fun. But special effects, are, as you know, are bad. They just yeah, <laughs> of course. Work. But the cultural impact of Jaws three. In 1983, in 3D. Like, the marketing is just lined up for greatness right there. Love it. Next on the list, uh, I don't know if I know this one, Robert. Educate me. Sudden Impact. This is a Clint Eastwood film. Dirty Harry. Probably the third or fourth Dirty Harry. Oh, I've only seen Deadpool and, like, Dirty Harry, I think. So I think Sudden Impact is the one, the go-ahead-make-my-day line, if I remember right. Uh, so that became the more or less the Clint Eastwood line. Certainly, yeah, that's his uh, that's his catchphrase. He's iconic for it. Is it a? I, I enjoyed Deadpool and Dirty Harry. Does this still Did hold you? up? <laughs> well, uh, Jim Carrey's in Deadpool. Yeah, he was famous, so I always like like I love Jim Carrey. And uh, I do like Dirty is, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> is this is this hold? Does this film hold up? It does not, but it's a uh, no. It, yeah, I, I would say no, and it's not quite the perfect '80s film, you know, kind of uh, cliche. Yeah, there's, no. there's much worse that make it better. If, that makes if sense. you had to watch two episodes of the new Stand again or this movie, what would you pick? This movie. Oh, really? Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Let me ask I, you a question. Has, has anyone ever asked you about the stand? Like, because you're a movie guy, does anyone care about the stand? People care about the original stand. Uh, okay, the, that's yeah, good the, to know. I get a lot of uh, things, uh, questions about that on my site. But that's good. Nobody. Asked that's that's reassuring because I've. It's a yeah. great book. It's a you know, I I I'm let down. Uh, Psycho Two. We know where you stand on this one, Robert. Yes, I love it. Uh, I, I have, I've only seen this once, I think. I'd have to watch it again. Meg Tilly again? A great year for her. She is a good actress. Her and uh, Anthony Perkins apparently did not get along, and he tried to have her fired. What? According, yeah, that uh, he didn't. I don't know if they disagreed on, on different things, but yeah, that she. Uh, and that was her first film. Uh, so she, had, she was doing this before the big chill but uh tom holland wrote it richard franklin directed and uh it was actually started off as a tv movie and anthony perkins cool. wasn't even going to be in it i think they were looking at christopher walking to tape to play norman bates was it because he was doing like stephen king movies then who christopher walken oh i don't know he that's an interesting been, yeah. choice for psycho 2 how could you not do it with Anthony yeah. Perkins. So, and I think Anthony said once he read the script or something, he's like, "Yeah, I would, I'd be interested in this." And then it became like they realized that, oh, this is something that we could release in theaters. Um, so, How big was this? Um, this uh, marketing campaign for that because that's a monumental film to have yeah. a sequel to. Was it, it like was, huge? Yeah. So it was twenty-two years later, and uh, so obviously a lot of it was like how. How dare they make a sequel uh, to such an iconic film? Um, oh, really? And, and how could they possibly, and how will it ever live up? And it did have some backlash because there's a few kind of gory scenes that were of the 80s and not of Hitchcock. Um, so, like, in particular, Vera Miles' death is is kind of gory, you know, special effects uh, uh, type of thing that, it does yeah. st stick out, and it, it, that's something that does not, you know, stand the test of time. Rather, if it was done kind of a more kind of artistically or off screen, um, this film would kind of kind of felt like it was be in the same vein. Interesting. You this you, this holds a special place in your heart, Psycho Two. It does. I mean, I was like, uh, uh, I'll, if I'm flipping through, I'll still stop and 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 watch it. But but as yeah. we talk about, like, I'm a, I'm a Psycho Three fan, and. Uh, not quite as much Psycho Four, uh, which I believe is actually a Mick Garris film, if I remember. But oh, really? Yeah. And then Psycho ninety eight. I have lots to talk about that one. But that's a real Vince Vaughn's finest role. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something. Uh, Twilight Zone the movie. Um, it still holds up in the in the sense that uh, it's got a very sordid history to me, and it still scares me. I don't really get scared a lot of films, but the um, segment in Twilight Zone, the movie, there's four parts to it. And the one, it's a good life with the kid. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Superman 3 and people are still scarred at the kid turning into the computer. I'm still scarred at the girl losing her mouth in this and being put into the TV. Uh, <laughs> this actually still haunts me, this movie. I won't yeah. watch it again, to be honest with you. I, I've been to that house, so it's on oh, my no. website. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to go. It legitimately scares me. Like, I, I that segment it gives is, me nightmares yeah and so this was uh, uh, uh most of these were taken from original twilight zone episodes and kind of updated um i think all of them if i remember maybe except for the first one 
Um, so, um, but I do, I do, uh, yeah, so that one, it does hold up, um, uh, for the most part, but it is kind of, it is solely by obviously the death of Vic Morrow. Um, Mm -hmm. the helicopter, uh, incident. So here is, here's your episodes, the halfway house cafe, which has been Mm -hmm. used in numerous films, too many to even count has been used in uh, everything. Yeah. And I still go there. There's your house. It's just too scary. The <laughs> rabbit out of the hat. So, did you ever see the original Twilight Zone episode of that? Oh yeah. So, uh, he turns the guy Leech- into the puppet, the Jack uh, of the Box. Uh, Cloris Leachman plays his mother in the original episode. Oh, it's creepy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the house pretty much looks. Actually, the house looks more kind of cartoonish now than it did <laughs> in the the film. But oh, now- yeah. Now this area is totally built up. So if you kind of there, it's right in the middle of a neighborhood. Now at the time there, were, it was like the, one of the few houses out there. Are they showing the um, in the film the exteriors? Because obviously everything around the house was like destroyed by the kid. Is that yeah. why there's like burned down cars? Yeah. So there, there was like nothing around. Actually, at the time there was not too much there, and so uh, but now it, it's just kind of a, a regular neighborhood. Oh, this is in Granada Hills. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You, you could go check it oh, out. Joe Dante. They, you could face your fears. I don't want to. <laughs> Although I do want to. I want to start a, going through your site and going to these places and doing a, a, a live video feed with you. Yeah. So, but maybe if you go there. And so, and the the Steven Spielberg one was shot up in Piru, California, um, where they've shot a lot of films as well, where the, the old people become young. Oh, this is a cool shot. Where did he you was, meet Joe Dante? At? He was at a convention. I think it was Horror Hound, and he was just not on the list to be there. He was just there, um, and so um, was. I quickly went and bought a Gremlins poster for him to sign. Oh, it was really cool. nice. Hey, that's a great shirt. You still have that? Yeah. So that was uh, so at this convention. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was there, and Jason Patrick, and uh, they had a screening of the Lost Boy. So I had my my Lost Boy shirt. I, I had. Oh, that's so cool. Hey, I've been seeing news that um, different conventions are popping up again and scheduled for July. Are you going to any? Not at this point. I mean, so so here's the thing. I love to get pictures iffy. with people. And if uh, and I'll be honest, like if I'm going to get a picture with somebody, I don't want us to both be wearing masks. You know, like it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, I don't know how uh, I know how I could be safe if i was a celebrity i don't know how safe i would feel with person after person after person getting into my personal space that's what i'm thinking yeah. like don't you want to be absolute about it and do mm-hmm. it for what it's the beauty of of conventions on top of seeing people and seeing merchandise and watching films or whatever that may be set up as is to get up close and personal and mm-hmm. take a picture with somebody and talk to them for a few minutes if you can't do that what's the what's the point yeah so um, I'll, I'll wait. To me, I just rather enjoy it without even having some trepidations or just fear of, of tr- not only conventions and the travel, everything about it. And just, I mean, those are just masses of people. And I'm just like, I can't. Can, can you imagine Comic-Con happening in anytime soon? I They're just, trying yeah. to do that, though. Yeah. Disney's already moving forward with their expos. I don't know how they yeah. do that safely. Uh, and yeah. uh I don't know. But it'll happen again, though. You're confident you'll get back to that again? At some point, yeah. We'll, we'll be yeah. in a, a, a better world. Yeah. Next on the list, I agree with you. Next on the list is, uh, final one on the list is Scarface. Definitely a 
it's it's of its time for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I think this is well. Brian De Palma was a. It's pretty well known director, but this kind of propelled him even higher. I think. And if you don't come up with that buy money, Chico, e pobre si, my boss is going to stick his head up your ass faster than a rabbit gets fucked. I'm scared, man. <laughs> I, See, I enjoy the movie a lot. Really, apparently, you do. I've seen it maybe 50 times. I, I, I do love the movie. I just, from a filmmaker standpoint and a, a lover of cinema, uh, I, I don't think it's, it holds up in the sense that, what does holding up mean? Do you enjoy it to this day? Yes, it holds up for me. But I just feel like it's shot so poorly for Brian De Palma and Oliver Stone wrote it. It could have been so much more like glossier and sexier for 1983's Miami. And it looks like, I don't know, the, the, the budget just, it looks like it was, it was a low budget film. Is it because it's too gritty or too grainy? Too grainy. Yeah. That could be it. Maybe they just, they, so they used the wrong film stock for you is what you're saying. They used the wrong film stock. (laughs) I would like you to draft a, strongly willed letter to the studio you know what this sounds like something they could make into a a four-part miniseries though scarface i think they could absolutely you know what my problem if they ever rebooted scarface was they would make it too much about gangster rap now because gangster rap has kind of embraced scarface as like their mascot and that's why they don't show scarface at the any screenings here in LA because they're afraid that like gang members will show up because so many rappers have like talked about Scarface and Tony Montana so I feel like if they remade it they would make it like with 50 Cent or something and it would become like this gangster rap movie do you think they would change the period do you think they make it contemporary I always had an idea for a sequel that do you remember Michelle Pfeiffer was trying to get pregnant or Tony was trying to Mm -hmm. she does get pregnant and then she has the kid and the kid grows up trying to like get away from that life but he's drawn back in that would be my idea for a sequel so let's figure out he would be 38 by now he would be yeah he would be of age to like run a yeah he'd be my age which means i'm in line to write the film and star in it and you can produce it all right and so would this be i was gonna say uh technically we'd have this you know scarface the next generation or something like that but because this is hollywood it'll just be called scarface it would just be, it'd be Scarface. Yeah, there's no yeah. need to differentiate <laughs> titles anymore. Um, what do you What do you think? I mean, maybe I'm I'm out of line and I need to watch it again. Do you Do you think it holds up? Um, it doesn't. Like every I'll, I'll, every several years, if it's on, I'll just kind of flip through and watch a little bit of. But it's not like oh, I I need to see this. I I think Brian De Palma got like one. He has like these great movies like Carrie. You can watch over and over again. Uh, yeah. Blowout to a certain extent. Um, he probably hit his kind of personal peak with the untouchables um and that's probably yeah. his most mainstream that still works and it was just kind of every, everything was clicking for him and oh, yeah. then uh it was then he did uh his, his chicago way bonfire the vanities which at the time was also the worst supposed to be the biggest bomb ever made there's always a new biggest bomb which one blowout uh, bonfire the vanities oh they, they actually have a book on it on how awful oh. that movie turned out and then interesting uh he followed that with raising cane and so which he, he, yeah. he became almost a little bit of a farce of his directing where he's like a little over directed um but but yeah so he's never he's, he hasn't reached That's those heights again yeah. you're a very deep knowledgeable man of film for real 
some films, and then some I'm like, I, and I haven't seen all of them, so I can't really say. But but, but, uh, but most of them, you're you're very knowledgeable on it. It's very inspiring. Uh, I have Scarface the video game. Um, nobody else really has that because it sucked. <laughs> I thought it was good. I didn't play that video game, so I can't can't tell you're, you. It's it's open world Miami. It's great. Um, I do like Scarface. I should probably watch it again. Um, I do like Frank uh, Robert Loja's character. I love Robert Loja. I, he was great in a lot of films, and uh, I just like he's like Tony. You know, he's this like flashy guy, but he kind of has a heart in it. And he gets kind of greedy, but not too greedy. I felt like he was a good character in yeah. there. And also the cop, Nell Bernstein, played by the guy that was the judge in Ghostbusters 2. He was in Scarface. The guy that gets shot. That's, oh. you know, we like snacks. You know, <laughs> I want four throwing a first-class pair of tickets. The wife and I are going to London. Like that guy. Like I like the characters a lot in Scarface. Gotcha. So, um I don't know. My friend Matt brainwashed me, and he's like, it's not a good movie. And I was like, we've seen it a hundred times. He's like, it's just not shot well. And I'm like, it isn't shot well. It really isn't. You, you, people can be easily swayed. Where I'm very know, easily swayed. For, for better or for worse, to say, where he was like, you know what? You're not giving it a try. Or what? You know, it has this. And you're like, oh, okay. And then same thing. If people say, you're like, that is a really crappy movie. And you're like, well, maybe it is. I didn't realize <laughs> how maybe. crappy it was. So. One thing Robert and I can both agree on is The Village is a classic. Uh, I, I cannot believe I watched two movies in a row. Where I, just, I don't do that anymore. And I'm so, so happy. Um, my, my sister was in the other room, and she goes, uh, the opening credits were happening. She goes, is that Signs? She, she knows that soundtrack and movie pretty well. And oh, I forgot, nice. she actually went to the bookstore and the pizza shop uh, she, uh, a few years Score. ago. Yeah, I, she was talking. I'm like, oh yeah, she goes. I, I did go there. She was doing a, a business trip, and she was in Newtown. All uh, right. So, but I had not watched Signs in a long time, and it uh, like one. I forgot about the opening credits. It has a great soundtrack, and I forgot near the end of the credits. Uh, each time that there's a bump in the credits, the credits would push to the screen. Yeah. Uh, in, in time with the um, and it just it seemed it was Hitchcock to me. I was like, oh, this is a a Hitchcock opening. Yeah, that was. Even Shyamalan himself said it, Psycho was an inspiration for the credits in the film itself. It was like Psycho and Night of the Living Dead with the farmhouse being stuck inside. And I was talking to my sister after, and I was like, it's like, and it brought back good memories to me. And I was like, but what I remembered about, I was remembering my experience in the theater. So, like, one, this was built up because had he only did then The Sixth Sense, or I think he did Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and this was his next one. Yeah. And so there was excitement. I mean, people were excited to see, you know, what's his M. Night's next movie going to be, and it had some good buzz around it. And so there's excitement in the theater. Um, and what, what had some scary moments, but it had, uh, I call it, you know, audience jolt moments where, um, not, not scares, but, um, just these little things that would happen. Like, and I remember, so when M Knight, he's not a good actor granted, but, uh, you no. know, he drops the line is like, I have one, uh, locked in the pantry and he just takes off. And I remember the audience was like, what, you know, like, yeah, what, you, what's going on? Yeah, and I just remember everybody's, you know, you could feel, you know, uh, goosebumps kind of happening. And we that took movie has... downtown in a paddy wagon. <laughs> paddy wagon? <laughs> so that movie has, like, several moments like that that, I was just say, only work in the theater and with an audience, as opposed to if you're just casually watching it. So uh, that did make me, I'm like, oh, I do miss seeing movies in the, in the theater because you miss, you don't realize that you're missing that aspect. And the jump scares have a, hold a certain weight to them. 
Yeah, that is a great film. I'm biased in that movie because it was filmed sure. in my hometown. So when we saw that opening night, the power went out because it was so hot. And they had to give us tickets to come the next day. And I remember being so angry. I, I was like, you have one job to do. It's to show this movie. I think the joke was that it was a small town. There was really nothing going on there. The joke was yeah. just too many people went out to see it. It crashed like the power. Because mm-hmm. it was showing on like four screens or something. Because everybody <laughs> in that area just went to go see this film. And uh, the, <laughs> the electricity went out. And I was like, What? But you're right. To to have that experience in the film is great, and I think that's just such an that's an actor's movie. Yeah, it's an ensemble and, cast, and they're all, you have Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson, and it's uh, great. Abigail Breslin, and she's uh, great. The and and there's things that don't quite. Granted, we have big TVs now, but I uh, think you know when he's in the corn, and he's just you barely see that alien leg kind of walking into the corn, uh, which. Casual viewing on TV, you, you just don't, you might miss, you know, on the big screen, you can't help but see that and be startled by that. These kind of like little tiny moments because you're, all you're doing is staring at the screen and we don't quite have that. You don't do that at home. You're absolutely right, Robert. And and the scene where he's saying, he's tucking his daughter to bed and she's like, can I have a glass of water? There's a monster outside my window. Um, and they show the monster on the, the window. You cannot see that on a TV at home. I don't Barely. care how big your screen is. Yeah, I you saw have it. to know what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah, I had to calibrate. You know, but but yeah, you um, that is startling in a theater. It's not as startling as your. Uh, um, I'm like I'm looking at my phone and also watching. Um, so it's it's a movie like turn off the lights and that's all you do is, is watch. You're right, and as, and as well as the scene where they're showing like the Brazilian video footage of the birthday party, and it's like Vamanos children. That was scarier in the theater. That's still a pretty good jump, though. No, th- these are, and I think I jumped at something else. I can't remember. I, forget, I don't know what I was expecting. I kind of did a jump back because I'm like, I didn't, I don't oh. have the movie memorized by now, but I do remember uh, I jumped at something. Why aren't you in the majors getting your toes licked by pretty women? <laughs> Felt wrong not to swing. <laughs> uh, uh, you like the village, too, right? Are you a village I, fan? I am a village fan. So I remember I went to opening night as well, and, and people were less excited. <laughs> I think there was, there was some bad buzz around that, but I was like, oh, you, it was still a thing. You would still want to, everybody would want to go see the new M. Night film. Yeah. Uh, not as like, uh, uh, we're staying home. It's the new M. Night film. I know. It was um, exciting. What's what's the twist going to be? Yeah. And that's why you, I think you want to see it first because twists get out there. And this was obviously it was internet time, but I, you know. But not as bad. There was no Facebook. No. And you, we still didn't know exactly what the movie was about, you know, that you, you just had posters and and the trailers and and yeah. so um i i like the kind of the world he he built up um obviously i love sigourney weaver um the best and uh and i'm I, i'm gonna have to look up the actress's name um but uh cherry jones i, I love cherry jones too like she is uh, and she's in the signs as well so obviously he he likes his his cast bryce dallas howard um i love bryce and he brought joaquin back um, and he has Adrian Brody in it before he did his SNL stunt where he was racist towards Jamaicans. Oh, I don't remember that. That's so. Um, Jane Atkinson, she plays one of the. Um, she was in Twenty Four, and she's kind of. Uh, I think did she play William Hurt's wife or not ex or some some. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's yeah. in Twenty Four. Um, and she actually plays uh, Senator hey. Ruth Martin now. Um, yeah. Uh, in the new Clarice, Attorney General, yeah, uh, uh, 
Senator Martin. So, um, so yeah, it has a great cast. Um, I love. Yeah, so I still love everything about it. And I and we had talked briefly that I didn't get quite the quote quite right because I remember it was Cherry Jones that said something about she was my sister was shot in an alley or something. She she was she was the first time she she was used a word that I thought oh this, that's not quite period. And I yes. remember it, it stuck out at the time where I thought either M Night's not writing very well or um you know what I mean because it like that's like a right writer's it mistake. stands out um and then somebody else said something too and it was like i wasn't putting it together you know first time or i was just dumb um but i was like something's not a couple of these words aren't right but good point you, i couldn't figure out what it was and then and i do remember it was an audience chill you know the kind of like when they, they pull out the picture and you're like what what i mean it, it was just kind of like and you could hear the whisperings and the stuff like that of like oh it, you know like um so so i like that i like the thought uh of kind of the story that he had behind that Completely agree. And that's a really good point about the like subtle cues from another time. Because I was watching it the other night when you were, I saw you were watching it, so I'm going to fire it up. And I was trying to look out for like little cues. And the other one was Sigourney Weaver said, her character said, uh, you know, they shot him and he, they dumped him in the filthy river. Yeah. And I'm like, filthy? Were rivers filthy in 1890? <laughs> so that was like another cue. Yeah. It was just these. Uh, I don't think there was any other visual cues from what I remember, but it was just these uh, these these words uh, that didn't quite seem right. And yeah, let me ask you a question about yeah. the village because I love I love the movie. I think I think it's a genius movie to do it. A lot of people don't think that, and they think, oh, it's not believable. And it's like, no, it's it's brilliant. Um, so the spoiler alert: the uh, those we don't speak of are obviously created by Walker and his friends mm -hmm. who keep people in line. Uh, but the, the, they do allude in the movie to, some of them say like, well, there have been stories of real creatures in the woods. Is there any implication in the village that some of the creatures are real? Or is it entirely fabricated by those, by the, by I, the, the elders? I, I think it was entirely fabricated. And yeah. and, and that's why, now, when you, after you, you know the secret and then you watch it, you're like, oh, they're saying this on purpose or to kind of continue the story. Um, got it but but yeah so i like um i mean celia watson is in it um jesse eisenberg judy greer it has this all-star cast cat yeah that they i mean jesse eisenberg has two lines in it i think i can't remember but it's just like yeah he's, michael but, pitt's in it as well yeah um so yeah i mean and he was at the time he could he could it, i'm sure it was anybody would say yes to m night saying whatever it is yeah we'll be we'll be in your movie even if, even if I have no lines. That's what it was. It was like M. Night, and then they went to... Uh, he did Lady in the Water with... Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. And then after that, he couldn't really get as much star power as he used to. It's like, no, we're not falling for that. Brendan Gleeson is in this. Um, Brendan Gleeson's in it? Yeah. William Hurt. It's a great, it's a great film, I think. Uh, yeah. It's funny when that came out in the theater opening day. I was supposed to see it with uh, two two buddies that night, and I was like, "Let's go get tickets." And another buddy called me. He's like, "Do you want to go see the village at like one o'clock?" Because we like didn't have class or something that day. We were in college, and I was like, "Yeah, I do." So I went and saw it. And then that night after the after the big <laughs> twist, I was like, "I can't watch this again in the day." <laughs> so I sat behind them. And they're like, why are you sitting back there? I was like, I just want to like get the experience. It made no sense. <laughs> you can And I tell snuck them. out and watched like the Bourne Ultimatum or something like oh, that. Oh, really? 
Yeah, and I came back at the end, and they're like, "Where the hell were you?" I was like, "I, I saw it. I saw it today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Uh, and they're like, "I can't believe you lied to us." I was like, "I'm sorry," and uh, but I figured I would love the movie so much I would see it twice in a day. Yeah. But or, I, I couldn't it go through that. Too tempting again. to be kind of watching them watch the movie, you know, like that kind of. I know the secret. I want to see how you react. Yeah, um, I know, but I, I do enjoy that film um, a lot, and I feel like he started to go back to his roots a little bit with the visit, but he never really got back to like that caliber. No. Um, yeah. I, I wish he would. I mean, I, I miss Devil that. Devil was good. Is that the ele- Philly eleva- elevator one? <laughs> yeah. You can only watch it once. <laughs> yeah. that's. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think it's possible for him to get back to the, that kind of greatness again? Um, well, there's, have you been watching the servant? No. Okay, so that's uh, a, it's a, there's a possibility. There is some possibility. So they, I just started season two of that, and I'm not sure it's on Apple TV. Oh, you have every streaming service. I love well, it. Not every. <laughs> so, and I think he's more. I don't know how much of it is him. I know he's executive produces, and I think he might have uh, write part of it or is part of the story of it. I can't remember. Oh, okay. I, I could be wrong, um, but it. it you could tell it has his fingerprints on it, as I would like to say. Um, oh, good call. But um, but yeah, it has some kind of interesting moments, and then but it also has it kind of feels like M Night, whereas like um, uh, he it looks like he directed uh, a, a few of them uh, when I'm just kind of pull up the IMDb. But um, oh yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a Philly movie, so they talk nice. about sold. Uh, yeah, I say uh, Philly locations and because uh, they the last episode they said like, well, let's go to Franklin Mills and like we know where that is. We know where that is. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> let's go to Dave and Buster's. Um, but yeah, it, maybe it is something where he. Well, you know what he when he's attempted like I think the happening was supposed to be kind of a, a get, let, let me get back mm. to what I did and that obviously is another movie that shall not be named. But uh, yeah, that's a movie we don't speak of. Yeah, it, it could have had promise, but then it, they just ended it with no explanation of anything, <laughs> none. And we let, let's face it: we talk about the village cast versus uh, <laughs> the happening cast. Doesn't hold up. Well, ima- imagine the happening uh, with William Hurt and Sigourney Weaver and Adrian Brody, as, yeah. you know, instead yeah. of. Uh, yeah, right. Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Dashnell, and uh, I can't remember his name. Hit their friend. It would have been a different movie. I. It would have been. Yeah. Taken more seriously. It would have hit different beats just naturally. John Leguizamo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and nothing against those actors, but I was like, the the movie no. would have been different. It would have been more of a serious movie rather than kind of laughed out of theaters. Right. Yeah, and I feel like Mark Wahlberg knew halfway through it was a joke because he was kind of like making jokes anyway, like. Why am I doing this? Yeah, <laughs> is this you know? real? It did have Betty Buckley though, so yeah, um, yeah, she's I, great. I love Betty, and of course, he used her um, uh, again uh, for uh, class. Is that right? Yeah, a couple times for, um, but yeah. You know what might have saved the happening is if, like, halfway through during the kind of climax, they figured out why it was happening, and there was like some kind of race to re- for a resolve to like fix it like oh it's because the nuclear power plant is setting things off and we have to stop it and maybe, maybe add another element but it just kind of ended with them 
being chased around a crazy woman's house and then it ends and it just stops. Yeah. It's, it it's, doesn't, like, it's bizarre. It's like, well, I think things are back to normal. This is probably how we're going to end COVID though. So uh, <laughs> I hope it just like, stops. Like, well, I guess it's, I guess we're done now. I guess, I guess we're done. <laughs> I think that's going to be the time we have for today, Robert. We're at the two hour mark, unless you have anything else you want to slice no, in. I think homework wise, um, Clarice has started. So, by the time we hit next time, uh, we'll uh, we'll have we'll two episodes into. under that, and we'll see. I have a feeling this might be kind of like the stand. Like this is something we might try, begrudgingly might have to stick with. I don't know. Do you have higher hopes for Clarice than the stand? I had higher hopes before I saw the first episode. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll okay. just say that. Yeah. I'll give it a watch, and then we can yeah. discuss. When does, when does Clarice uh, air? Is it every Thursday? Uh, Thursdays, I think so. So it's kind of works. It replaces some shows that have just ended. So that's good. Uh, yeah, switches it up a little bit. Yeah, uh, you were listening to Set Jetter Saturdays. Visit all of the um, episodes for free on iTunes, Spotify, Roku, and iHeartRadio, and visit Robert at set-jetter.com as well as on Instagram and on Facebook. Do you still say like on Facebook? Is that still what the kids are saying today? Uh, that's what I still say because that's all I know. That's all I know too. I'm like them on Facebook. I'm not as TikToking. Well. I will never be a TikToker. I'm just not. I'm not cool enough. Yeah. Such other Saturdays. Uh, thank you again uh, to Robert uh, always, and we will see you next week for another set Jetter Saturday. Good night, everybody. Good night.